And we're back. I'm James. This is the Grizz Fam Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. I'm James. All right, and we're the Grizz Fan Pod. Hey, James, thanks, man. You're welcome. We're back in our regular location. <laughs> Woo! Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Just got a little excited there. Wow. <laughs> James watched that UFC fight last I night? I don't know. <laughs> All three oh. rounds of it? Whew. I, did you guys watch it? Uh, yes. Got a found a feed online, but it was over so fast. I kind of you know you kind of wait for, for it to start, and then it was like done in three rounds. UFC is not something I've ever really gotten into. Me neither. But I got a buddy that watches. Well, I don't know. It's like the big primetime ones, and then like, did you see the pictures of that guy's face? I saw some pictures. It's like his eyebrow was like hanging on by a thread. Like the whole like it was like. This whole thing was like, why? Yeah. And you're also a good sports fan that watches for the event of things. Like you can, that is true. You can understand enough of a sport you don't really follow to enjoy the big moment. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch, but I, I know saw nothing the, about UFC. I saw the post UFC fight, like in ring interview of Nate Diaz, where his face was clearly like falling off, falling off. <laughs> but he was so un like deterred by. Yeah. His physical form, he was ready to roll back. <laughs> so maybe I'll watch the re- the the redo. All right. Yeah, that's right. They're going at it again. All right. Well, we can talk UFC. Let's talk a little Grizz football. Yeah. So Brent, um, <laughs> why don't you outline all the reasons the Grizz should have lost, like you told us all? Well, the first half. <laughs> <laughs> um. Man, that first half was frustrating. And you watched it again. You texted us this morning. Yeah. But it was like, that first half was everything I feared it would be. But thank God for the second half. But that first half, I mean, we can hop right into that. There was like moments where it was like, yes, like Marcus Knight goes around the edge and gets in the end zone. Samori Toure breaks two terrible tackles, gets in the end zone. But other than that, I mean. But even then, like they're they're winning 14-7. And then Portland State kicks the field goal, and you're still thinking, you know what? Portland State has no business being this close, but they're going to go into half winning 14-10, and this is all. And then freaking, I mean, they scored 10 points with less than two minutes to go in the half. Yeah. I mean, they got the ball back off of Humphrey's fumble with less than a minute. Yeah. You know, and they get him a third down, I think, and then freaking wide open. Yeah. What? Wide open. Let's, let's, Let's talk about that. Okay. What is the deal with our pass coverage? You know, two two of our I've noticed that two of our touchdowns that we've given up deep um, have happened against a particular player who's not in much, inexperienced oh, and young. Okay, mm. Mm, interesting. Um, I think that I think that there's still a little inexperience. I think it's complicated. I think DB is one of the hardest positions to play in sports. Um, I, and I think there's going to be screw-ups. These are still 18 to 23-year-olds who are learning the game, um, making adjustments. They're seeing new looks at times. And you know when you're not perfect in the secondary, you give up touchdowns. If you're not perfect on the D-line, you got a guys behind you that still have opportunities to cover up your misses, but your flaws are sort of dirty laundry for everyone to view. Yeah. And I guess in fairness, I mean, you're, you're kind of defending them and I think that that's valid. And in fairness, our scheme seems to be 
heavy up on the run to stop it to force them to pass and hope that yeah. you you can do enough. And in, fair, in fairness to the defense, they do do enough <laughs> to stop them a lot. Because mm-hmm. if you think about that, our our defense this year, there haven't been a ton of sustained drives. I mean, there have been drives where they you know put together a bunch of play, but I mean, it always seems like a, a good chunk of the scores stuff, are yeah. on chunk plays that are just like my god and then it doesn't happen again or it only happens one more time a game i will say that the two passing touchdowns that portland state had though i mean those guys were as open as you could ever hope to be (laughs) on a football field and and that's a trend this year it's like you notice a lot of these deep shot touchdowns they're past the safeties and then a lot of it is the safety and the corner looking at each other and arms up like what happened so what's been a little frustrating as a takeaway is, you know, sometimes big plays happen, right? Like wide receiver goes up, makes a good catch, beats the corner, beats safety, good play, pulls in it. But like a lot of these, like both of Portland's deep passing touchdowns, it was like, it was blown coverage. It was a blown assignment. And the second one, which Grizz were starting to roll by that point a little bit, but it was just like, that guy, that like the field was short. Even what Portland mm-hmm. was like on the twenty, and that guy had no one around him for like ten yards. Yeah, it's like how can we? How can it? I mean, how can they be on the twenty and that guy be that open? <laughs> Do you think it's just a matter of a coach dialing up the right play at the right time? Because in the first one, you know, I noticed our cornerback sat like it was cover two. Yep, and you know the safety rotated to the middle of the field, dropped deep, looked away, and. I was thinking maybe I think it's right right play at the right time and coaches watching film and seeing kind of what we are. Yeah. I think every scheme has its weaknesses. And then a lot of these these um kind of touchdowns on the sidelines that we've seen, it's often a cornerback is chasing after a guy because they looked back and the safety hadn't come over. Yep. And it's hard to say who blew the coverage. But based on the other play we often give up is the cornerback goes down the field and then basically there'll be some guy open 15 yards down the field when the corner's <laughs> not there anymore. It kind of makes me think that the safeties are supposed to roll over and maybe they're not getting back in time, like they're focusing too much on the run. So I kind of wonder if if that tendency isn't just obvious on film at this point and coaches know that they're going to get it a few times a game. And... What we're probably not seeing then is all the times that the defense is actually doing it right, but yeah. still frustrating. Yeah, it's easy to nitpick like the one or two times per game where they give up a big score, but then the other times where they don't. So, yeah. But, I mean, the first half, staying on the defensive side of the ball, it, you know, the the Grizz, we go up, uh, we're up, uh, what is it, like 14-7 kind of early. But, um, man, it like, it just felt like everything was real arduous. And um, there was, was it Portland's? It, that It was their first touchdown drive, wasn't it? Where it's like, we stopped him twice. Oh, on third, we stopped him on third down. And Jace Lewis or Patrick O'Connell gets a gets a flag. Which Jace gets it for, for standing over the guy. Which, which I mean, I, he did it, but it's a stupid flag. I actually didn't think it was the most egregious sack celebration I've seen this year by the Grizz. <laughs> well, that's right. It was Jace. Because then, then Pat O'Connell, on the next third down, sacks and does like a 
hog tie move. But I think the difference like, was, Jay, and you look at the film and they did, over the Jace did it over, over him. Yep. And I think we talked about this last week. I can't remember if it was on the pod or before the pod when we were just talking. I know that the, the listeners are going to be shocked that we actually talked before the three hour pod. <laughs> but uh, um, Robbie and Sandry were doing it last week. They're, you know, doing this like flex things right over them. And I was thinking, when well, we are going to get a flag for this. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if that wasn't something that the big sky kind of pointed out. Like, hey, like watch for this. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it was a tough time to get that flag. <clears throat> oh, man. Because we had them stop. They were going to punt. We had them stop. Oh, we stopped them. They're going to punt. We give them a first down. We stop them again. They punt it. And Jerry fumbles the ball. Just... And then they go in the end zone. 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. They had 14, 14 points off turnovers. Yep. So, I mean, if you think about this, like, they're, they score 23, what, 23 points? 23 points all game, right? Yes. They, I mean, that game wasn't that close. And they had no business being in it. And you and I were talking a little bit because you were nervous Saturday morning. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't disagree with your nerves because what I said, and I think that this is true, is it would only be a close game if the Grizz played down to Portland's level, and they did. Boy, did they for a half. Yeah, for a half. You know, I I didn't see it as like in totality the Grizz playing down at their level. The first half, I saw really good stuff from our defense. I saw yeah. really good oh, yeah. stuff in the run game, but in a game in the game of football. Um, little errors can amount to big points and. You know, we blow a coverage, let's say. We have a fumble that by Jerry that turns into a score. Like, those are, there are so many errors that happen that don't haunt you mm-hmm. that I think two errors that turn into points is oftentimes over magnified in significance. Mm. I thought the Grizz played really well the first half in totality. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And I was not nervous one bit. Like, I think I texted you guys at halftime, like, we'd be winning like 24-0 or something if it wasn't for these small mistakes. And I was like, we're, we're going to clean that stuff up. That's fluky stuff. See, I was having the same feeling until they scored 10 points in like two minutes. And I was like, mother. Because like, oh, yeah. there is going to come a time when that flat, slow start, don't put teams away, is going to catch them. Yeah. And, but you're right, Luke. I mean, if you look at it, it's just like it, we didn't play down to them. We just didn't finish a couple times. Yeah, and That's true. and what I was seeing was that Cam was efficient early. Yeah. And he was efficient all game. Cam was great, yeah. But for all the criticism or any sort of criticism I had of him last week, uh, I felt really good coming out of this week seeing how his overall performance. Like, he threw short balls, he threw deep balls, he threw left. He threw left again. <laughs> no, he, threw, right. he threw right once or twice. He threw right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he has some tendencies for sure. But um, despite... at least two of his touchdowns were right, though. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's a long con, man. He's yeah. setting up it's the, the safeties, <laughs> looking them off. <laughs> but it's clear his first read is always left. Yeah. Always left. Always left. Um, but. You know, wrapping up the defense a little bit, and then I think we've got a lot of good things to talk about. That the thing that makes me a little bit nervous about this is the mobile quarterback that rolls out and could keep the play alive finds something against us all the time, all the time. 
And they just they just know if they can stay alive, they're going to find an opening, a soft spot, either short or intermediate. And it's almost always to the right. And I don't know if that's just the virtue of it's easier for a QB to roll to the right and throw that direction, or if that's the side that one particular guy's on where they feel like that's where the breakdowns are going to be, but it's almost always to the right. So it's like if the if the defense could ever figure that out and shut it down, I mean, we're still we're still waiting to play a full, complete game, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe the Davis game, you could argue, but... Yeah, I think you're, we haven't played our perfect game yet. But Bobby doesn't want us playing our perfect game until this month, so... Here we go. And I would I would <laughs> take the perfect game in two weeks. In two I weeks. <laughs> do, I do think it's a virtue of the right-handed quarterback rolling out right. Yeah. It's so much so much easier. Easier to throw that way. But so like this is fascinating. I'd looked at this talking a little bit more defense and team scoring by if you look at the score by quarters for Montana, it's pretty crazy. So the first quarter this whole year, Montana scored 34 points, while their opponents have scored 49 points. In the second quarter, Montana scored 100, but their opponents have scored 103. So we're getting outscored on average first half of every game. But then in the third quarter, Montana keeps going, and we've scored 119 points, where our opponents have scored 53. And then the fourth, we've scored 87, where our opponents have scored 20. So we've only given up two touchdowns and two field goals in nine games in the fourth quarter. So it's like our third quarter production is outpacing everything we allow in the floor in the second half of games. So I mean, this was a, this game was just another example of that. Six points. Six points to a good offense. To a good offense. Do you think we have preternatural depth? Do you what? think we're <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Say that one more time. You know, do we have um, extra natural depth? Are we more deep? Sorry, Jesus. Didn't you guys go to college? <laughs> uh, everybody at this table has degrees from UM. <laughs> okay, so... Does... There are at least five sitting here. <laughs> um, does, is, UM's, is this a function of UM's depth? Or is it a function of scheme? Is it a function, like, why are we so damn good in the second half? Are, are we rotating more guys in was my initial I mean, question. I, so we're fresher longer. I think, I think yes, depth on defense and yes, depth on our receiver. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it is yeah. because there are so many places where you could say we just rotate guys all game where they're fresher than everybody else. And I think that that, I mean, that absolutely makes a difference. But some of it's also... We seem to make good adjustments at half, and it seems to be that the players are intelligent enough to listen to the coaches and they figure it out. Like, it's, hey, this isn't working in the first half. Do it. Yeah. You know, pick it up. Um, yeah, I mean, Brent, you were listing the numbers. I mean, second half two, outscored 206-73, which is crazy. They're 7-0 and when leading after three quarters. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't have an explanation for it, Luke. <laughs> I do think that we have more talent than the average team, too. I would... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's getting more yes. true each year out I mean, here. You see that. and But, like, this is, like, the thing that I... You go back and look at, especially, like, the defensive guys in the second half that are that are hitting... I mean, you've got, like, Wellnell and 
uh, Deming and some of these other guys that are rotating in a bunch. And so that depth side on the defensive front absolutely is helping because we got more fresh guys. I mean, Ryder Rice and Patrick O'Connell rotating around in the second half. Like, they get a they get a rotate series. They're not playing the whole game. They're not gassed at the end. Um, I think, and by virtue of this very experienced coaching staff, I think really helps as well, too. Uh, they they they've seen a lot of this. They know what to do, and so and this game showed it once again. I think we held them under 100 yards in the second half. I mean, they were they're well under their um, uh, yearly average, weekly average for the year. That's not the first team the Grizz have, have done that to. Scared um, the dog. Also, can't uh, can't go too far without pointing this out. We got a fat guy interception this week. Um, we said on this, Careful. I got roasted on Twitter. We said, uh, um, we said on this pod last <laughs> week that we were due to, to catch one of those ones. The D guys keep getting their hands on and governor who looks like a well-built man. So apologies. <laughs> um, third interception on the year, Luke, how come you didn't take the thousand dollar bet I had with you from the beginning of the season? <laughs> on whether a D lineman would be leading us in interceptions at this point in the season. You had a glint in your eye. You knew something about the governor's hands. Did you see someone had, I don't know if this was fake or not, but someone posted on Twitter that there was like 80,000 to one odds. That- <laughs> Somebody was joking on what the, yeah. the bet would have been. You always bet a dollar on 80,000 to one odds. Yeah, you take that. <laughs> Uh, yardage in the second half over a hundred, uh, 178 yards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We actually held them to less in the first half. We just spotted them a first and goal and then gave up a drive in three plays that we spotted that we gave it to them at midfield. Thanks to the Humphrey fumble. I mean, really they're two, they had only one meaningful touchdown drive, which they also started close to midfield. I mean, all three of their touchdown drives were 50 yards or less. So one went for nine yards, one was for 46, and one was for 50. So it's really like their three scores, well, probably more on us and the position we put them in. Fair. Um, so defensive guys had themselves a day uh, hitting that quarterback. Oof. Um, that was Jace Lewis's crap. best. Jace Lewis's best game, right? Jace Lewis, yep. absolutely. He was in his face, tons of hurries. Clogged up the run. Um, Two sacks. Three sacks, wasn't it? Three. Three. Yeah. Uh, Then Governor and and Olsen shared one. Olsen leveled him. (laughs) Holy cow, I couldn't believe it. I really have a respect for Portland State's QB. What a tough son of a bitch. And we retweeted on the Grizzfam Pod Twitter account. Like, he, like, credit to him. Like, he jumped on Twitter today and. So what was it like? We, oh, did, we eat those. We, we take eat this those. stuff. I, no big deal. I tweeted at him. I was like, dude, because like I've, I, I can't remember last time I've seen a quarterback take a beating like that. And he he was up. I mean, you saw it on TV after like Bobby's hugging him. Dante's hugging him. That's I mean, the longest I've ever seen Bobby talk to an opposing player <laughs> after a game. Bobby's and granted, like, I don't sit and watch him, but it's like the camera was sitting there for like a minute and a half and Bobby's just sitting there talking to him, patting his shoulders, you know, you got to like a guy who's that tough. And, you know, I don't know what he's talking about. We eat those hits. 
basically no one eats those no, kids. <laughs> most people you know, most people are out he got, his, he got his helmet knocked off twice uh-huh. <laughs> my mother who i was watching the game with felt like he should uh get another chin strap because that one clearly wasn't working <laughs> practical advice yeah. janice you know, fair. you know i can't argue with that i was thinking that there was a time when that dante olsen um hit would have led espn but maybe not anymore Man. I mean, if Dante Olson played for Oregon and was hitting USC quarterback or something. But, yeah, it's kind of tough when you're in FCS. But, I mean, that was a hell of a hit. That was the other thing that was, like, the debate on Twitter was it was cl- it was totally clean. Like, hit him with the shoulder, hit him in the shoulder, uh, left his feet when the QB was throwing the ball. I mean, QB jumped in the air, like, set himself up to get yep. smoked. Um, if that was Tom Brady, how many flags would have been on the field? Oh my God! Like they would have like somebody would have come and arrested Olson immediately. They they would have executed the player at midfield, (laughs) brought out a guillotine, and shrunk, and that'd be it. No, but I mean, uh, I felt like one of the big criticisms we've had all year is the defensive front has not been consistent in its pressure. Yeah, and this game, they, I mean, now they blitzed the shit out of these guys, so it was like six seven guys coming at once but it was a fascinating strategy where suddenly it's like we're not going to drop into coverage and let you pick apart our zone or wait for a blown coverage um we're going to come after you and they punished the qb and they did plenty to disrupt that pass game enough to to slow him down to six points in the second half oh yeah yeah it's it's two weeks in a row now where we've been able to get pressure on the quarterback yep you I was really skeptical about the pass rush going into Eastern, you know, at that point in time. And yep. we did well, but it was Eastern, you know, like mm-hmm. they're not known for having like a really stalwart offensive line. Right. But now that we've done this um, against a better team, like a legitimate, legitimate top half of the big sky team, I'm kind of getting a little excited about this <laughs> defensive front. I mean, it feels like there's, there's, promise that they're realizing and they're so damn young so young <laughs> so young so young He's i mean so they, young. Just, they just lose sims right yeah that's it i mean this this d line is going to be a strength the next few years oh you look at like at my, like my favorite guy pat o'connell like yep he wears zach wagman's number before what i mean not that he picked that but like wagman was 58 before he became 37 and he has a motor just like i mean like he has a motor like he just goes and um you know five sacks on the air i think that's that leads the team him jace has four pat has five um i just you you know you see like he's really just like a pass rush kind of specialist at this point but like he's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore one of the two he's a sophomore i think because he he played baseball well, baseball and football, right? At St. Mary's. Oh. Something like that. We oh, could be butchering I did not that. I know that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, because apparently he wasn't recruited by Stitt out of high school. Mm, just, that's what I've heard. Jeez, Mike. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, so, well, we lose Ryder Rice, too. Ryder Rice is the Oh, right. Yep. But uh, outside of that, everybody comes back. But you know who could probably fill in just fine and take more than enough of Ryder Rice's snaps? Who? Um, 
Jacob McGoran, who we are redshirting. <laughs> we better be redshirting. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're not redshirting, we should play this week. Um, so we usually lead with offense. And we've talked about Cam for a second, but I mean, the offense had themselves a day. Um, and it starts right there with Toure. I mean, three touchdowns, 140 yards. Um, I'd forgotten that he was from Portland. And apparently he told Sean Rainey that Portland State didn't recruit him, which blows me away. What? Like, how could you not even offer this guy? Was it like a, we know we don't have a chance for you? Or... Crazy. A girl I I knew who used to work at the University of Montana went to Harvard Law School. And she said that she didn't get so much as like an email from UM's law school. And I'm like, well, I think it had something to do with your your LSAT score. And I think that's the case here. I think Tori's 40 speed, like ability to catch passes and just be an all-around receiver immediately took him out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't worth it. We, we're not going to get you, so why Right. Try? Why <laughs> waste... Like why, why waste the calories? Don't burn the calories. Bruce Barnum came in. He's like, "How many uh, double reverse passes can you throw?" He's <laughs> like, "The fuck." Bar- <laughs> Barnum's already giving up the front on his own sons, let alone oh all star players <laughs> oh from God. the Portland so, area. So, um, <laughs> um, the ESPN radio interview with Barnum this week, he told the story about he and his son coming out for their unofficial visit a couple years ago when Stitt was still here, and they got in the car to drive home. After I forget what he said, what game they came to, and he said to his son, "So what do you think?" And his son said, "Dad, don't take this the wrong way, but there's no way you should ever beat those guys." <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, in the ultimate of ultimate Bobby Hauk moves, <laughs> they freaking offered Barnum's son a scholarship. <laughs> After the, After the game. game. Yeah. So I go, we're in Portland anyway. So Barnum's son tweets out, blessed to receive an offer from the University of Montana. Go Grizz. And it's like, holy crap. Like, that's just some high-level trolling. Isn't the talk on his son, doesn't he have a baseball scholarship? He's, his Twitter says he's a Wazoo baseball commit. Oh, commit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, but, hey, we got Pat O'Connell away from playing baseball. But right? somebody was telling me, Oh, it was it was in Barnum's preseason interview with uh, Tutel Nuanas. Yeah. I think he said that he doesn't care that his son's committed anywhere. They are taking their official visit for the Weber UM game because Portland State <laughs> yeah. has a bye and Barnum <laughs> wants to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that works. Hey, we'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> you could tell that uh, how can how can uh, Coach Marnie uh, like each other? Yeah, they like each other. <laughs> Hauk doesn't have a lot of bad blood around the conference yet, I would say, right? No, he definitely doesn't. And I think it's funny because I think with these coaches right now, they really like Hauk because he's got the resume. And they all used to kind of derivatively uh, refer to the genius of the previous coaching staff. Yeah. Like, as an insult, and it's yeah. like I think so. I think that they're on a, like this honeymoon phase of like, well, you're legitimate. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can be here. Anyway, side well, note. Well, yeah. So I mean, but this game, it was kind of funny because um, we were like um, Portland's defense, the flex, puts as many guys in the in the box mm-hmm. as we have blockers, and so they showed outside of. 
uh, an early Marcus Knight long run touchdown that if we have eight blockers, we're going to have eight guys in the box. And throughout the game, it kind of showed general, like they generally stopped Knight, right? Like he had a 40-yard run and I think what the rest of our rushing yards is about 130 or so. so. Yeah, I mean, he had a 45-yard touchdown. And yeah, so. Rushed five um, six total. And then, you know. Cam but he was Humphrey. getting chunks in the. Yeah, that's, yeah, as it went on. He had a few, and Humphrey obviously had a few as well, too. But um, this was something where it was like, we needed a complete game from Cam Humphrey. And the first half, it was a little up, down. It was a little choppy. You know, the touchdown pass to Toure, two guys bounce off a smore, and he's gone. But. Cam Humphrey's second half was the Cam Humphrey we saw in camp in fall camp, and that was a great game for him. And uh, I was, it, it's it's damn good to see that because I mean we know a few things, and I think we're going to talk about this in a little bit here. But like, if we need to rest Dalton's need for Idaho, I feel like we absolutely can now. Yep, um, and should, but we'll and should. talk about it. <clears throat> and then next year. Do we need to get a transfer QB? I mean, probably still. But is that transfer going to just come in and take the job? No, nope. I don't think so. Like, I mean, if we get, there'll be competition. If we get that second half Cam Humphrey that just keeps getting better, we're going to be in great shape. And it's interesting because this game plan is exactly kind of what we said we think they need to do. Yeah. And the way that they did it is something that we talked about is what we think one of the strengths of this team is, is if all the other weapons aren't working, we still have great receivers. And if our number one guy, a chem, is getting covered by their number one guy, you know, number one A, which is what what Toure is in my opinion, you know, he'd yeah, a leader on most of the teams, is going to be open to make plays, and that's what he did. Yeah. Well, and then Jerry Lou McGee, um, probably more than made up for that <laughs> muffed fumble early. I mean, he had some amazingly tough contested catches and i know mike you have a brewing hot take here. well i don't know that i have but. a brewing hot take but but that jerry will do that yeah jerry and this is maybe an unpopular take but jerry can be inconsistent at times yes absolutely where it's like sometimes it's lackadaisical where it's like how did you make the, and it's two weeks in a row on putt returns where he's done something where you're like really like yeah. that is not but usually what happens is when he messes up you can tell that his MO throughout his life is you've got to make up for it because then he seems to raise his game. Mm. Um, Whereas if he's having a great day on the punt returns, I don't generally feel like you're getting quite the same, I'm not going to say effort, but you're not getting quite the same performance as a receiver. Like I think he feels like he's got to con- got to be contributing somewhere, and if it's not here, it's going to be here. Oh, interesting. And I don't think that he's like consciously not. <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to catch this. Fuck that. I yeah, that exactly. <laughs> like it's not like a um, because I think everybody's motivated in different ways. But I've I've that, just watching him for four years. That's kind of my observation. Interesting. Okay. I can see that. But I mean, yeah, it, I think our top three receivers. I mean, they they caught. 19 passes between them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, For well I, over 200 yards. Yeah, I mean, well. 300 yards. Uh, I, I mean, so quick math, uh, 300 yards between the three of them right there. Yep. 302. Because Akem went right over 100. Yeah, Akem had 104, Toure had 140, and Jerry had 68. I, you mm-hmm. know, Cam, Cam threw the ball deep 
He did? Better than we've thrown it deep all year. I'm going <laughs> to say it. Better than Dalton Sneed. Yeah. Ooh, Dalton Sneed is... Dalton Sneed's our starter, and I'm not saying that. Dalton... <laughs> No one throws a better back shoulder ball than Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just it 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 was interesting to see it. You know the 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 I think it was the second touchdown to Ture. It was his longer one where um, On the right side Cam pump faked, yes, looked the guy hard. off, yep. and then. Right where it needed to be, walking in the end zone. Right on the money. His his freaking pass to a cam right on the money. Yeah. About twenty six yards in the air, right where Cam was. Cam caught it in stride. Cam caught it in stride. Yep. And then foot racing in the end zone. I love watching a Cam try and beat someone in the end zone because once he gets going, his strides are so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he just takes such big steps. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. I, you, you got to love this wide receiver core and what they bring. And especially, I mean, all these guys, they each kind of bring a little different element to what they can do once they've caught the ball. And we saw that in this case today as, or yesterday as well, too. So, yeah. I think the other part, and we've talked about wide receivers blocking and all that, and that's awesome. But I also think the other piece that makes this offense work is the tight ends have bought into the role they play in the offense. Like, you know, a guy like Bingham could be – pissed that he doesn't get more catches right but he doesn't even give a fuck you know it's like if he catches one a game but it's a big first down which he had had one had one to you know and it's like he's pumped up and he's right back there on the line blocking i like to see it yeah yeah i think he's a guy who's bought in he's definitely not a not a selfish type human um nor someone who's about attention and you know i think he is cut from like a little Grizzlies organization that was run by players who used to be Bobby Houck players. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's he's got the right mentality for sure. Yeah. It's funny that we're at a point so quickly in Knight's career that we take for granted that he rushed for 100 yards and we're just gonna like, ho-hum, running game really wasn't there. <laughs> but it's like it was in the first half and into the second Man, a little bit. Can but, you imagine having a running back this productive in a stint offense? <clears throat> no. Like no. – I, and how quickly we've taken for granted all the years we went without yeah. a running I mean, back. It just, and it's like, oh, yeah, of course. We're going to have a guy run for 100 yards. All right. Yeah, cool. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Dante. Well, Dante didn't have double-digit tackles, but we're starting to take that for granted as well, too. He had eight. So so, yeah. so Cam, 21 to 28, 335 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, college Sports Madness, Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. We're recording on Sunday night this week, so we don't know if he'll be the – conference or not probably not would be my guess but um two two starts 71.9 percent 511 yards five touchdowns also on the season now on yeah. no that was where his two starts he's got two six starts. touchdowns on the I season yep. those are yep. his two starts two starts gotcha well and i saw an eric Tabor tweet mm-hmm. um the sid for the grizz grizz athletics cam humphrey is the fourth most efficient passer in the league how about that? He hasn't thrown a pick, and his completion percentage is what seventy five on the year. It's sixty two, which only, is because remember we were second to Kevin Thompson talking how it was so weird in, his, in the mop up time where he was under fifty percent because you and I yeah. thought that he was so accurate. Right. Well, he's clearly. I mean, it's like he's had less than ten incompletions in both of his starts, not combined, but individually in both those starts, less than ten. Um, yeah. 
I mean, True. if this is if this is it, if Snead comes back next week, it's like that's that's as good as you could possibly hope for your backup QB to play over two starts, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, the one of the biggest differences between Snead and Cam and 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 Hump. I don't know. We have to come up with a nickname. <laughs> Not Hump. Yeah. <laughs> Cam and Hump. No, no, no. It's uh, Sneed and Hump. I'm calling him Hump. I don't care what you guys call him. You're not, you're not my bosses. This pod's gone downhill fast. No, I, I think um, I'm not as comfortable with Hump on the run. No, I know. And I think one of the reasons he has such a great pass, like pass completion rating is if it's not there, he'll tuck it, and who fucking knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny about him is... Uh, We've seen this from this Grizz team this year is like finish the play. Like <laughs> yeah. Marcus Knight, finish the play. Nick Osmo, you run that guy over. Jerry Lou McGee, you don't run out of bounds. You hit that safety, you plant him <laughs> on his ass. Cam Humphrey, like same thing. He's like, fuck this, you know, whatever. Uh, I got no backup behind me, but I'm going to stand tall and try to run through this linebacker. <laughs> like he had two of those where it was like, and I think it was like, the, um, of course, for us, uh, we had the benefit of watching on SWX, not on Pluto, where most people didn't even get the second half of the game. But uh, more on that later. But uh, Grady Bennett was like, he might need to want to, you know, maybe slide. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> we were told Dalton to slide, and I think we said this last week. But Cam, you can slide. We, we love you, buddy. But like, if if he got punched out, that would. <laughs> but I mean, lead by example, though, right? Like they tell the team to finish plays, and Cam's out there finishing plays, so. Yeah. So maybe one thing concerning to me about Cam's performance is he, he what do you take five sacks? Yeah. Five. Um and a couple of those maybe he could have thrown it away, but a couple others they just blitzed right and they kind of knew that he was gonna try and roll off of it and he they, just got sacked. He stepped right into the pressure. Yep. Yeah. And he had it, the one fumble. Yeah. For this before the end of the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, Cam's, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Cam's just pocket presence compared to Dalton's isn't as good. Uh, Dalton's could be built from experience. I think Cam could probably get there. But there was a couple blitzes where pocket's collapsing and he just took the eyes off the field and just stepped right into a Portland defensive guy. I mean, it happened a couple times. Yeah, I agree. I think he can get there. Yeah, I think he's better with experience. That's playing time. Yeah. I like to, um, while we're on cam, I rolled out a hypothetical earlier in the year about what MSU would trade for Cam Humphrey. (laughs) His stock has gone up. His stock has gone significantly up. I almost think it's a Troy Anderson for Cam Humphrey straight up right now. Wow. I think Troy had a pretty good game on defense this week. (laughs) He had an interception or something, didn't he? Yeah. I think the MSU defense is just all around like pretty strong, and the value over the replaced linebacker, you know, like that they can find someone to fill the linebacker position at an average <laughs> proficiency. I bet. Whereas they're so below average on quarterback, Cam Humphrey is clearly like a, a legitimate big sky quarterback. Why wouldn't you do it? I think we said this before. Like we're watching practice with some media guys who watch both the Grizz and the Cats, and Cam Humphrey slinging the ball around. And the comment to us was, "I've watched ten days of Cat Camp, and one day here, and this is the first spiral I've seen." 
this was in this was in fall camp. Yeah, in fall camp. Ooh, that's a ringing endorsement. Boy, I, I mean, I you know they beat they beat North Dakota with Cam. Um, I think that they the pro- cats would have beat North the cats Dakota. would have beat North Dakota yeah, with, okay, Cam. with Cam with hump. Yeah, <laughs> with hump. The hump. Jesus, come on, Mike. Um, I think they probably have a better chance of beating UC Davis with with Cam. The hump. So the hump. hashtag. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I I would imagine they would all like to have them. They might not admit it, but okay. All right. Well, um, anything else you want to mention about the Grizz game? Yeah. Um, the atmosphere on TV. I mean that it looked like it was ten to one Grizz fans to Portland fans, and that place yeah. was loud. They Super would show the the bleachers and dotted in maroon. I mean, it was supposed to be a whiteout. There wasn't too much white in that stand. <laughs> it was all maroon. Um, that was that's kind of cool to see. You know, it's like clearly that fires up the team, um, and and kind of fun. It seems like we have a lot of alum in that area too. You know, throughout the Pacific Northwest, yeah. so it's cool that they came. Yeah, Nike COO, uh, Mr. Sprung, was on the uh, sideline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, what should be Cam Humphrey's theme song? Should it be... My Humps? My oh, my God. All right. We should so ask that's, Cam. That's My Humps, or... Do we throw it a little further back? The Humpty Dance, the do the hump. That's Cam Humphrey. That one right oh, there. Oh, this is it. Don't play it too long and get us any copyright violations here. You got to take down the Grizz Fan pod. Did we put that to a poll? <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Coming soon to a Twitter feed near you later this week. Um, other than that, I mean, I could bitch about the. Uh, replay in the big sky and how I just continue to not understand it. Oh my God. But I just, I mean, you guys have all heard it. You know what I feel. It's just, I just, it's like if it's it's there and it's supposed to be on every play, I don't understand why they don't stop it more on plays that are freaking controversial. And so we had, would be big momentum killers. We had two situations. Grizz had a fourth and two. Uh, if you watch it in slow mo, Marcus Knight, I I don't know if he got it, but he was again like warrants right review. I don't care if it doesn't get turned over. And, warrants and, a review. And the difference was the spot was a yard behind where he actually hit the ground. And then there was a Jerry Louis McGee where he stretches the ball on a third and eight and catches it, and he they mark him again short again like by a yard, mm-hmm. but his arm is out. And, again, it's close, but it's like, just put it back there and don't review, and away we go. But then they spend time to review a guy's foot being clearly out of bounds on a catch. I don't know. It, it was it was frustrating. I just, I mean, I don't understand it. And this probably will feeds into another question that I know is going to come up in the listener questions about <laughs> Pluto. So... Let's just let's just not go into this anymore. I'm just it still pisses me off. <laughs> well, it was a hell of a win, and uh, for the Grizz, we revenged homecoming last year. Even though we don't talk about last year, we are at seven wins, so we're like there's no benchmark of qualifiable. I keep getting reminded, but uh, I thought there was. No, ask Grizz in the Box on Twitter. Oh. He'll get after you. All right. Uh, there's there's no benchmark anymore. Sorry, Grizz in the Box. <laughs> Apologies. Someone got in last year with six wins, like Missouri State. Or Every once in a while, in, like, someone gets in. You know, you and I are some <laughs> shitty ass. You yeah. know, and you and I've talked about. Th- 
not you and I, you and I, as in like literally <laughs> the people sitting here have talked about this before, but um, in most regular 11 game seasons, that number is seven. Yes. Um, this year, obviously the kind of initial reaction is to jump that to eight because there's extra games, but I don't yeah. think there's going to be as many eight win teams as there are seven in a normal year. Right. Right. So I think that there's some teams that we've kind of written off on playoff contention that actually could end up bubble teams. I'm not saying they're getting in or not. Davis is one. Like yeah. I think if they win out, um, they could be w- with a win over sack and a win over MSU. Yeah. They're a seven win bubble team that I think is going to be in the conversation. Yep. And I think there are others as well. So, yeah. And I think, you know, the other the other super encouraging thing was I feel like there was a lot of people that said the Grizz are going to win six or seven games this year. We have three games left to go. It is the first week in November. We have won seven games. And we've got three to go, and damn it, we're, we're getting to nine or better. You know, so I feel like. So it's like this team has so far completely outperformed a majority of people's expectations, and it, it, it's, it's really good to, to be at this point. Um, Luke, all the spreadsheets and the database work you do, and we f- we failed something we should have been doing all along. I wish we would have tracked the exact moment in the season when it became mathematically impossible for the Grizzlies to finish eighth place or lower. <laughs> I feel like we're past that point now, but again, I don't know. I mean, um, we're past that point. So let me, let me tabulate really quick. <laughs> uh, just so, just putting that out there. Right now, eighth place is Northern Colorado. But this is the thing. They're two and three in conference. UNC could win out. We could lose out, right? It mm-hmm. could happen. UNC, what? They play like the Cats, North Dakota. So they'd be five and, and three like, in conference, and we'd be. We'd be five and three in conference. <laughs> Who's their other? They play the Cats, they play North Dakota, and they play Cal Poly. So, I mean, it, <clears throat> the odds aren't looking good. But I think we're going to exceed eighth place. So I'm just putting that out there for one. We name him all the time. Cat fan who votes in the Big Sky media poll. Who voted the Grizz? Eighth. 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 Anyway. Terrible. Moving on. All right. Good win. I like it. Let's let's wrap up the Big Sky. All right. Um, Let's take a look at last week's games. Idaho went in no Idaho hosted Cal Poly and got a win. 21-9. Yeah. Did that surprise anyone? Yeah. I think we all picked Idaho. I wonder if Cal Poly's been bad long enough now that they're gonna give up the option. Who Actually knows? Brent picked Poly. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, Woo! what surprised you about that? <laughs> you know, I uh, I flew down. I gave him a motivational talk. <laughs> yeah. uh, I rang the bell for Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I, out, it sounds like Mason's going to be back this week. He's I think he back. played this he played. week. He's, he played this he's week. their starter. The dark cloud of Mason Petrino reigns eternal. So they came off a bye to grab this win. Yeah. So the thing, and we're going to talk about Idaho. Idaho has good linebackers and a couple of big dudes on their D-line. Um, they lost their super stud linebacker in the Idaho State game, who was like in the talk for Big Sky defensive MVP. Yeah, but um, out for the season. Out for the season, according to our some of our guys at Tubbs in the club. Lost him this week. Uh, Idaho State. Oh wow. Um, and so 
they, you know, they, they're good up front. And Cal Poly ran for 140 yards in the game or something. I mean, Cal Poly. Like, they usually run for 140 a quarter. Poly is completely given up. And I don't even know if they're playing a lot of their starters even. So, you know, they Cal Poly tends to kind of run out of guys by this time of year based on the way that they they play the game. So, okay. Well, then Eastern, they hosted Northern Arizona and boat raced them 66-38. to 38. Yeah, I think that... that- <clears throat> um that our our win over Eastern last week was a big win. And people kind of downplaying that Eastern's like having an off year. It's like, yeah, I mean, they've had some flukiness and some weird They're games. Good and, offense, though. But they still I mean, it's like they came into the game last week with the leading offense in the big sky. They left it with the leading offense, and they clearly they scored it, so. 66 <laughs> points this week. So and it's we like we held them to 17. Speaking of our defense, exactly. It's like, you know, we, we pick on them, but they held probably the best quarterback in the big sky to 17 points. Yeah, yeah. That's my biggest takeaway from their win this week. <laughs> I, watched a, I watched a little bit of the game early. Defense was really optional. A lot of deep shots, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Northern Colorado beats Idaho State 26 to 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Northern Colorado completed the Idaho sweep? They did. All right. Northern Colorado is the king of Idaho. Brent picked that game, right? Woo! I did? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was so drunk by the time we got to those. Boy, games. did I not pick? Did I you really pick Idaho? ISU. Yeah. ISU. ISU. Oh, you ISU. picked ISU. Okay. Okay. Um, then we had Weber. They played Sac State. Who picked Weber and who picked Sac State in that game? Luke. Uh, Mike, you picked Weber. Oh, damn it. Brent and I picked Sac State. Shit. Oh, interesting. So the narrative from people who didn't watch the game <laughs> is that Sac State's QB got hurt, so Weber won. Weber was winning 23-10 when... Before Thompson went out. When Thompson went out. Yeah. And that, I mean, we don't really need to talk about the game, although the game was fun and it's got all kinds of ramifications. Do we have any idea... If Thompson's seriously hurt? No idea. I mean, they took him right to the locker room, and he didn't, he come, didn't come back. He didn't come back. And uh, some um, shout out to our guy on Twitter, Hornet House, who was talking a little bit about this was – he took a shot in the back on a blindside blitz. and Perfectly last, legal hit. Perfectly mm-hmm. legal. Last year, he was done for the season on a back injury. So I mean, it's tough to say if it's you know just crack, precautionary cracked rib or, or felt something, and they just want to. Or it's like you hope not, because Thompson. Man, I mean, I hope not. Thompson. I mean, Thompson Barrier, and, and probably not Sneed now with it with his injury and missing a few. But it's like those three guys seem to be like the front runners for MVP. Yeah. And but I mean, I watched uh, that game last night, and, and their backup QB. I mean, probably with a week of practice, it'll be better than he was. But he had a few plays, but he wasn't but, that great. Right? I mean, he's no Cam Humphrey. <laughs> um, so the other big thing obviously on that one is Weber beating Sack allows the Grizz to control their own destiny, destiny for a Big Sky Conference championship because if you win out and it's a tie with all three of us team with the highest Sagarin ranking wins it wins the out of it and that's Montana and they all three could get rings and claim Big Sky Conference championship but okay. we get the auto bid so Sack plays Northern Arizona at Northern Arizona, who has not lost at home. They go at Idaho, and then they host yeah. UC Davis. Rivalry game. 
than Weber. If they have Thompson, they should win out. They should win out. Yep. Maybe Davis, maybe, but probably not. If they don't have Thompson, that's a tough schedule. They, yeah, them. they could easily go one and two. Yeah. And I mean, if they go one and two, they might miss the playoffs. They'll they be five and three. They'll be so if they go one and two, which I can't imagine they would, but they would go. They would finish seven and five. Boy, but they'd still have that string of wins: MSU, Eastern Montana. Are all would all seven wins be D one wins? Though? No, no. Did they, they beat like uh, one of those directional Oregon schools, right? Southern Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Man, I hope for the Big Sky Conference sake that Thompson is back and healthy. Me too. Because they're a good team. They could win some games in the playoffs, and I like it when the Big Sky Conference wins games in the <laughs> yeah, playoffs. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often, yeah. <laughs> and then, then Weber is playing North Dakota. North Dakota this week. Us. Us, then Idaho State. Yep. They have the easiest last three games. I mean, we're tough. Not, I'm not. But it's like about? North Dakota and Idaho State, they should beat the shit out of both of those two. Yeah, and those two are home games. Yeah. North Dakota, not at home. They play like trash on the road. And so, Idaho State, oh my, they just lost Northern Colorado. But we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we break down Idaho. But I'm, you know, looking at Idaho's schedule, Weber <laughs> only beat Idaho 41 to 35. Nugent Paradox, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the final game of the week, we had Montana State. Yeah, yeah. figured that was going to happen. Beat the shittiest team in the conference. Congrats. I think I've used this analogy before, but um, when I was in high school, uh, we we played a Canadian team our junior year, and uh, the se- there was a senior quarterback, and then we had a junior quarterback that all the juniors thought should be starting, and stats were average, average, average. And then it's a Canadian team. They just, you know, just padded this guy's stats. So that they could, for the rest of the year, have the senior starter. This is what happened this weekend to the Cats. Like, Rovic had a good game, 250 yards, threw for two touchdowns, caught one. They had yet another guy taking snaps. I mean, (laughs) Kevin Cassis... Kevin Cassis threw a touchdown. Threw a touchdown. He probably took 10 snaps. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) um, So who knows? They got that UNC trap game ahead of them, though. So yeah. it is in Greeley. It is in Greeley. We'll see what happens. Tough place to play football. Mm-hmm. Just ask Idaho. Then, then they go to Davis. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Seemed like a foregone conclusion. Cats beat Southern Utah. Who right? knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting though because I, the Cats have this easy schedule ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think that some of their blemishes are going to be covered up a little bit. And I think they'll have an opportunity to develop their quarterback a little more, get them some more reps. And then we roll roll into the Brawl of the Wild, where anything can happen. See, I don't think Davis in Davis or at Davis is an easy game for them. I think think they'll win it, but I don't think it's easy. Yeah, tough to say. But I think they're going to win. They could win... It's I was thinking last year or last week they were going to go at least two and two. Yeah, yeah. It's and when they go to Davis, it's going to depend on what Davis is playing for. I think. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, if they're eliminated, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Well, that and so you know we're we're getting to that point where <coughs> bless you. We need to. We're starting to talk playoffs, and it's like I think NAU's loss punched him. And so right now, playoff picture, you've got you've got three to four teams from the Big Sky. They're looking good. Weber, Sac, Grizz, Montana State. And then Davis is this kind of long shot, run the table, could be a – because, like, if Davis wins their last three, they will have beat both Sacramento State and the Bobcats, mm-hmm. which could put one of those other two schools – on the wrong side of the bubble and Davis on the right side. So, um, and the other kind of interesting little wild card that's out there on the playoff picture is North Dakota. Yeah. And North Dakota inexplicably has an 11 game schedule this year. Um, didn't make any sense to me. Who knows? Um, so obviously North Dakota, like their most sexy win so far is the cats and Davis and Davis. And so they go to Weber this weekend. Um, Obviously, if they go to Weber and somehow beat Weber State, well, then hell yeah, they're jumping into the rankings. And and then the, I think their last two games are Southern Utah and Northern Colorado. So it's like North Dakota's in, uh, barring a complete meltdown. But the trick is going to be they go 2-1 and one down the stretch. They will be 7-4 and four with seven Division One wins. So here's a wild conspiracy. The... Um, Playoff selection committee is made up of athletic directors, right? Mm-hmm. Athletic directors also sit on conference boards. Do you think that the athletic directors say, fuck you guys for leaving the Big Sky Conference in the lurch for two years? You chose this independence. <laughs> We're not putting you in on the bubble. <laughs> Probably not. I hope so. <laughs> what do you guys think about Eastern? What if they won out? Because they're four and five. It's not enough. They don't have enough. They will have six. They'd be one of those where. 61 wins. They'll, have, they'll be six and two in conference if they went out. But that's their only 61 wins so are in conference because none of them out. So that would be one of those, again, where we there would have to be a lot of um, but teams like, but again, blowing it in the last three so weeks. if they win out, if they win out, well, who's their signature win? They have, well, so they, NAU, Portland State? Lindenwood, <laughs> they, they they have no UND. They have no signature. Who they, do they have left? They have Idaho State, Cal Poly, Portland State. So they could finish with a four-game winning streak. Finish six and two in conference. Yeah, I don't think it'll be enough because to get in with six wins, you'd need to have some signature wins over like ranked teams, I mean, and like they're if, not going to have it. If they like, if they had Sack or Weber in that stretch and beat them, then yeah. But it's just like. If they go down that stretch, their best win is going to be North Dakota, who is going to finish seven and four. Uh, yeah, okay, that's tough. And then the other thing is like the broader picture of the playoffs. Our week two or three opponent Monmouth just knocked off Kennesaw State, vastly overrated Kennesaw State. And that conference has another team that is undefeated that still has to play both Monmouth and Kennesaw State. So it's going to be interesting. A lot of these conferences, they're usually a one-bid conference. So let's say Kennesaw wins out and Monmouth wins out. Um, 
this this usually single big conference is going to send two. Yeah, but I don't know if Kennesaw because no Kennesaw's Kennesaw, the darling. They're going to stay but, in the top fifteen and they're going to beat a bunch of dog shit, shit but teams if they and they're going to get that large. But it's like their their pre conference schedule shit. But they came in as like fifth in the nation and they just sat there. I was so glad Monmouth beat them. Not only because and Monmouth trucked them. If Monmouth <laughs> makes the playoffs, that. I mean, that's another win over a playoff team the Grizz have on their resume. So that's only positive for the Grizz in the yeah. seeding conversation. But Kennesaw State, motherfuckers. I, and, and they've got another team. So what if that conference sends three? There, there is no <laughs> way that conference is sending three. There, I mean, there is no way. Chances are, well, you know, Mon- Monmouth loses Monmouth to won this. eight games last year and didn't make it, right? There you go, yeah. So, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. Um, it, it's it's getting to a fun point in the season though, where you're starting to look at like these you know these kind of bubble teams, and uh, and who's doing what and how things are going. And so it, this is kind of an interesting thing though, where we've got a lot of these conferences where, um, you know, the usually sends one or usually sends two and maybe has two or three. Uh, in a lot of years, it usually is always kind of washed out and worked its way out as the season went on. But there's going to be a lot of things to keep an eye on in the, in the weeks ahead. You know, for the Grizz, we talked about this before we started recording. You go two and one or better, and you're a lock. You're a lock. You I go, mean, I think if they win one, they're a lock. You go one and two, I think you're probably on the right side of getting in, but you're probably going to need a little bit of help. Well, you got enough good wins. <clears throat> so you, you, beat, you beat Idaho – you lose your last two. That's the one. That's to the Weber and Montana State. About. That's the snare I worry about on a skid. I, I still think they're in. But either way, what I will say is I know that the Grizz still have to take care of their business to, to get in, but it's it's nice to be three weeks out and not know the Grizz have to win all three and be perfect for any chance. Because yeah. it's been a long time since we were there. I mean, it's been like four-ish years since it's been like we have to go on this exponential run to get in and i think another good thing in our favor right now is we have home home cat grizz away yep two home games that's that's big we're undefeated at home we're one of the last few teams in the in the conference that are undefeated at home Mm -hmm. sack can't say that anymore what it's us nau and weaver i think that are the undefeated home schools uh nau yeah so um yeah it's it's fun to be in this spot, and it's cool just to see that. It's crazy to think that if the Grizz could win out, which is a tall order, a very tall order. What was the last time we won the we won the auto bet as conference champions? Two thousand nine. Eleven. 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 Yeah. Eight years. We stole it from the Cats. Stole it. We God, didn't steal it. Good. It was ours. <laughs> it was ours for the taking. We stole it by going into their house and pillaging them. Kicking their ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, side note, Luke, uh, just opened up a Sip and Go Naked. Didn't realize it was an apricot ale. This is a this is a good beer from this the Tamarack you brought. Damn good beer. Isn't yeah. it a savory little drink? Yeah. I like that they make them in 16 ounces. Yeah, this is a- 12 isn't enough for a beer that tastes this good. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. I like it better than the uh, Pyramid Apricot. I, that was like the first Apricot Ale I had with a Pyramid, and uh, this is better. I like it. A little fruit in the beer. Yeah, there you go. We got a whole different segment on breaking down the beers we drink. <laughs> um, let's uh, switch and let's pick all the rest of the Big Sky games except the Idaho game. 
All right, let's start with Sac State going to Northern Arizona. So this is so tough <laughs> because we don't know the we don't know the health of their QB. I think that Sac could win this game either way. I think Northern Arizona can put up a lot of points, but I think Sac's defense is still pretty damn good. NAU's defense is garbage. Bad. So I think Sac wins this game even without Thompson. Yeah, I think this is a matchup. You know, if NAU would have beat Eastern, they'd be coming into this game with a lot riding on it, and they'd recognize this is the game we play that puts us on the right side of the playoff picture. Um, they dropped that Eastern game. They're out. And I think Sack, with that, with their defensive line in Cookus's face, and then with what they have with Elijah Dotson and some of these guys, I think they got enough talent. I'm, I'd say Sack as well, too. Yeah, for all the reasons you, you guys mentioned, I mean, especially like Northern Arizona's defense. It's so bad. So bad. They're giving up almost 41 points a game. <laughs> Not good. Oh, and so... Sack's defensive coordinator is Andy Thompson, who was in the USDC last year. Passed mm-hmm. over for, for the quite job. A while. Passed over for the job. Oh, this is personal. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm going Sack State. Sacked by a million. Sacked by a million. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the spread is. Oh, I, <laughs> I the spread is take Push you over. Michael. I want you to look up what the attendance was for last for the UM Grizz game because I have a note in the spreadsheet about um, at PSU. Yeah, at PSU, it was like Brent. You had under four point five thousand. Mike, oh, you had over. Fuck. Oh, oh I, I know the answer. I'm wrong. Okay, I was say, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that uh, that I'm I'm the winner of that. It was like sixty eight hundred or something, wasn't it? I I didn't see. Don't you have it in front of you? Well, I do, but I'm looking at the games. Hang on, I got it. I got it. Seahawks growing up. Looks like this is bad airtime. Attendance is not there. Weird. 6,191. I really think 5,000 of those were Chris fans. (laughs) Like, on the SWX broadcast, Sean Ray, like, it was loud when Portland had the ball. And there's a photo that shows, like, the stands, and it's all maroon. In, in for like more than half the field, and when like um, Nick Osmo ran the ball, <laughs> like the place went nuts. <laughs> I think like local there was, like five hundred Osmo fans there. Yep. So yeah. Okay, then we have North Dakota visiting Ogden to play Weber. 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 Weber's gonna win that game. Then we have Eastern Washington going to Pocatello. Eastern. 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 Fighting Eric Berriers. Montana State then goes to Northern Colorado. Ooh. UNC just got a big road win. Uh, the Cats are going to win this game. <laughs> cats have more talent. Northern yep. Colorado's going to do it. Wow. I got to catch up to you guys. So I think this is just like we are now in Choate's safest spot of the season where it's like our backs are to the wall. Nobody believes in us. He's a better motivator that way. Oh, uh, you know what? I you are right. I should change my pick, but I'm gonna stick with you on Luke has already written it down. It's it's too late. Hits, I've already yeah. hit save. It's too late. <laughs> I already submitted the order. Uh UC Davis goes to Portland State. Davis. Oof. 
Yeah, Davis. Davis is air attack. That'd be tough for PSU. Yeah, Davis. I, I that's a toss up game though. What but the fuck happened to Davis? I don't know. I'm gonna say Portland State. That that's. I, I kind of my gut is telling me that that's probably the better I, I, pick, I mean, but I think Davis is playing for their playoff lives. Maybe if that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Northern Arizona sure didn't play so, too well when they were playing for their playoff lives, but different teams, so we'll see. Davis is coming off a bye, too, aren't they? Working yes. Bye? Yeah. All right, then we have the game of the week. <laughs> Idaho Vandals coming to Washington Grizzly Stadium. 1 p.m. kickoff. Extended forecast is holding (laughs) (laughs) is per google saying it's gonna be cloudy and 49 of a high hey that's warmer in our last few (laughs) um sideways snow um do you want to talk about it yeah let's talk about it before we pick it so as Britt pointed out uh mason petrino is back yes and guess who's back that's you know again awesome from the sense that (laughs) i think our fans are going to be merciless on him (laughs) as they should be ring the bell ring that bell oh my gosh if i wish i had a bell i wish i was in the student section i was gonna say if the stadium stadium operator is on their game this week they will have a ring the bell thing on the jumbotron they should have just the audio clip of him saying in a really like stilted stale voice ring the bell because that's how he says it in the stupid video yeah <laughs> ring the bell be, i mean this and is a rivalry that would be so awesome and every time the grizzlies score ring the bell ring the bell hi vandal fans it's your head coach paul petrino we've been grinding this whole off season to bring excitement back to the kibbe dome every time we you ring failed. the bell, that means a player has done his personal best <laughs> It's your time. You can do your part. Go ring the bell. Buy season tickets. Come to our games and support the Vandal Scholarship Fund. Look, another player's rung the bell. That means he did his personal best. Do your part. Ring the bell. Go Vandals. Ring the bell. Oh my God! Just begging people to buy season tickets. <laughs> Please. We've got to get that on the board. Oh, Ring the bell. That. Ring the bell. <laughs> Come on, people. What else are you going to do around Ring here? Ring the bell. Are you going to just eat potatoes? Um, so, Vandals come to town. Uh, last time the Vandals were in Washington Grizzly, 2003. Bobby Hawk's first year. Do you remember the game? I remember it very well. Luke, you were like 10. 2003? Three. Yeah. 2003, we were freshmen, Mike. Yeah, yeah, we were in college. I don't remember this game, though. Oh, you will. So Craig Oaks and Jeff Disney were out. Oh, so Bobby yeah. Houck yep. went to MSU Northern's <laughs> finest, Kyle Sampson. Oh, and, my God, that slippery son of a bitch. <laughs> to, and Tech's then, offensive what, coordinator. Now, what, what, yeah, true, right? Uh, and what was the, the Hartman? Yeah, Justin? Hart- Justin Hartman. Justin, Justin Hartman. Hartman. And we run the... Goddamn triple option. We score 41 points on those assholes. And uh, that was like, because we had, had we, lo- we lost to North Dakota State Division Two North Dakota State the week before mm-hmm. on a fake field goal that everyone knew it was going to be Except a fake. for the 11 on the field and the guys on the sideline knew it was going to be a fake. So it was like, 
we were reeling and concerned and nervous, and then we come out and we just put it to Idaho. And that was the last time they were in Washington Grizzly. I remember seeing one of my buddies who played for Great Falls High. Uh, he had a, some game film, you know, from their high school playing days, and uh, he was also class of 2003. And we were watching his game film playing against Kyle Sampson, <laughs> and he missed a tackle on Kyle Sampson three times in one play. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember because word kind of got out a little bit that they were. Remember they closed they practice. They closed practice. Secret. What are they gonna do? A couple people kind of brought it up on the message boards, but not really because the fans didn't believe it. Like yeah. I remember, like it was like the younger group that seemed to know. Yep. It's like we're gonna run the option, and all these older Grizz fans were like, "I've heard that. There's no fucking way we're gonna run the option." It's like, hey, we ran the option. <laughs> and you know who Idaho's head coach was? The Isaiah Thomas of college football tom cable oh my mm. God. the guy who could fail upward to the point of being what the head coach of the raiders that's crazy. <laughs> super bowl ring with and the i think Seahawks. he got fired that year i'm pretty sure that was the year he got fired so he does he has said publicly um bobby Houck got him fired at idaho <laughs> by running a by running five foot nine hundred and sixty pound quarterback <laughs> but, but let's go back to you know for a second and talk about Idaho since they in theory are our rival um, we have one rival Mike we have one rival in Spontana State but what on earth were they doing as a at this time Division 1A team yeah. coming to Washington Grizzly Stadium we'd pre-booked it no yeah we had an agreement we had an agreement that they signed after they moved 2001, up 2001, 2 and 3 yeah but that's what I'm saying. Like, why on earth would they have ever... At that point, they couldn't even play in their own fucking dome. They had to go to Wazoo because yeah, their yeah. dome was too little. So they should have known that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> no. They should have known right then. Should have known. Yeah. Their, their entire FBS existence was a tragedy. What amazes me is there are still people that point to it and say, we're better off FBS. It's like... No. You're better off retracted if you don't want to be at FCS. I mean... I mean, they only beat Central Washington by 10. Yeah. <laughs> the only any way talk, Idaho's better off... Any talk of any Big Sky Conference team going to the FBS is absolute bananas to me. See, I was going to say, the only, the only way that Idaho's better off FBS is if the big boys of the Big Sky Conference all went up together and yeah. created a new conference. Conversation for another day. Yeah. Just the big guys. We're not talking Northern Colorado or Southern Utah. Yeah, this needs to spin off into another <laughs> It's an off season. Sure. It's an off season pod. So after we win the national championship, yep. <clears throat> do a five go. hour pod. Um <laughs> warranted. So let's talk Idaho. Let's a talk bit. Idaho. So, so oh go ahead. I was gonna say I want to walk through their schedule real quick and then say, you can give, go to their breakdown. Breakdown, give me the full Nugent paradox. So Idaho's schedule. Opened the year with a drubbing at Penn State. Got them dollars. I was going to say, biggest takeaway from that was $1.5 million. Um, then they came home and only beat Central Washington by 10. Yep. Then they went to Wyoming and almost beat Wyoming, because <laughs> why not? Yep. Then they came home and beat Eastern Washington. Then the next week, they lost 
to Northern Colorado. And they were up 17-7 at the half. Yeah. And then the next week, they were at home, and Weber State, they played them well. They the, lost. They played them well, but that Idaho did have three fumbles in that game and took a kick return for a touchdown with a minute to go to make it a six-point game. So they were down perpetually usually two scores in the second half and had a good play to tighten it up at the end. But still, played them tight. I mean, uh, 35 points to Weber. I don't know who else. That's I a, don't know if anyone else has scored 35 big, on Weber. Big one. So the next week, they go to Portland State and get skunked 24 <laughs> nothing. Then they come home, and they beat Idaho State, who at this point was actually still decent, 45-21. And then last week, they or this past weekend, they beat Cal Poly 21-9. 35 points, Weber. That was the most Weber is allowed to anybody. They have not. The next was NAU 28 and Cal Poly 24. So this, the transitive property in sports is not always uh, right. Mm-hmm. But just the shellacking that they put on Portland State and the way we were. No, no, they got Portland shellacked. They got Portland shellacked shut them it. out 24-0. And, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, this is the direction I'm heading. Yeah. Um, so they shellack. Portland State, and we're clearly a better team than Portland State, but we don't shellac them. Does the transitive property suggest this is going to be a closer game than we think? What I think suggests it's going to be a closer game than we think is that, and we've talked about it several times in this pod, Idaho only gets up for games that they think are relevant to them. Yes. So it's either their, quote, rivals or teams that they think they should be in the conversation with. Yep. Montana is going to be one of those games, <laughs> or in theory it should. Well, and for Idaho, it's another lost season. No playoffs. Remember last year their players said, we had a good season the year before. We should just – we're just going to come in and win the Big Sky and win the FCS title. Like, I believe Luke said that as well. Oh, that's right. Bitcoin, the Bitcoin. How can I forget? I've deleted all of those episodes. <laughs> the internet never forgets. Um, but really for Idaho, like what's left? Bring the little Brownstein home. Back to Moscow, where it has not been for 20 years. Nobody who's paying that much attention even knows what the Little Brinstein is. Idaho does, though. They're ringing the bell. But their fan base, like, I mean, I guess, granted, like the Tubbs and the Clubs guys know because they kind of are paying attention to history. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the Tubbs and the Clubs guys were not in kindergarten yet (laughs) the last time that Idaho had this. Like... (laughs) <laughs> they've Still done such damage to their program <laughs> it's a cautionary tale yeah cautionary tale so idaho though um they this team is an interesting team that they are it, it's been the grizz have had to face a lot of dynamic offenses and designs they don't do that this weekend. Idaho has two receivers. One who's one of the better receivers in the conference. That's number 88, Jeff Cotton. Um, the other guy, uh, Cottrell Haywood. But like between those two, they account for probably 80% of their 
caught passes. Their third leading receiver is a running back, and he has 10 catches. Like, yep. they throw to two wide receivers. They've got a running back that is 5'9 and 241 pounds. So that's the same as me. But, you know, I, <laughs> I, I doubt I'm going to average 80 yards a game and have six touchdowns in the big sky right now. So um, You might. Yeah, okay. It depends on the defense I play against, I guess. But uh, but so this is a team where you've got you've got a bruiser running back. Uh, they've got this other guy, Romato. He's a bit of a kick returner, number three. A um, little bit of a quicker guy, but a young guy. Um Two good, you know, two main receivers, main focus receivers, a thunder and lightning kind of combo of running back, and then good old mini Brett Favre himself, who can't throw the ball further than twenty five yards down the field, and Mason Petrino. So their their receivers yeah. are real. Cotton's a big dude. He's six two, over two hundred pounds. Cotton, like he came out of nowhere, right? Like no one was projecting him, and he like within weeks was like way the hell up no. there. I picked him. You picked him, and you, were got, you say, got made fun of. Luke in the... introduced the Big Sky yeah. podca- fan podcast to him. I did my homework that season. I looked at, I looked at a lot of games from last year, and he stood out to me as their clear like number. He was their number two option last year. They graduated their number one, and I saw he was huge, and his yards per catch were, was big last year. And I was like, that guy's that guy's gonna produce. Who else? Who's they going to throw to? It turns out they don't throw to too many more people. Um, but their other guy, Cottrell Howard, was he the one that was like super mouthy last year? Do you remember like... Oh, yeah, you guys read that game. They had this little receiver who would catch the ball and <clears throat> get up yeah, and yeah, want yeah, to yeah. fight the secondary every <clears throat> reception. I think you might be right. I think it's that guy. And I... For as much as I thought he was an asshole, sometimes I want assholes on my football team. Like I think he's got a lot of fight in him. I think mm-hmm. he's good, athletic, pretty slippery. So I don't know. I, I think I think this is a game we can't overlook because they have a real opportunity to score. Yeah. That not really. I mean, they do. They don't. What? what? What are they, they're scoring 25 points a game. I think they've got some depth on the offensive line. So so this is what Idaho does a few things well. They've got a good O-line. Mm-hmm. They've got a big D-line. And they've got a bunch of stud linebackers. Uh, like we said earlier, they had one who was maybe the front runner for defensive MVP. Uh, according to our guys at Tubbs and Club, torn ACL against ISU. Uh, for the season, but then there are other two guys. Um, was it number eight? Is it uh, Christian Ellis? No, Trey Walker. Christian Ellis is number one. Trey Walker's got 103 tackles this season, uh, and then uh, seven and a half tackles for a loss. And then Christian Ellis has about uh, 68 tackles and 10 for a loss. So they've got some damn good linebackers. They've brought in some pretty good defense. Their their front seven is stout, even without. Um, even without their main dude there. I think that their return game's pretty good. They have the second best kick returner. The third Behind best us. punt returner. No. In fact, no. That's right. Who's got the best? Uh Jalen White from UC Davis. He's averaging thirty one point two yards. On like two returns. 
No, no. I'm just messing around. No. <laughs> uh, Malik, I actually think Malik Flowers is the best. He's got 21 returns. Um, I think what gets tough is like you look at like Flowers, like he doesn't get a clean. I was gonna say if you look at right? like if you look at conference only weird. stats, we're not yeah. as good because the conference knows not to kick. They're <laughs> like, yeah, don't give this guy a clean kick. But my my overall point is they've got a decent return game. They do. They, and on the flip side, they have a poor ish cover. <clears throat> excuse me, coverage game. Their kick return coverage and their punt return coverage is not terrible. But uh, there's some holes there, and especially as they've got more and more guys going out with injury, they're relying a little bit more on youth and inexperienced guys uh, to come in. Um, this could be a game where both Flowers and JLM could have a special teams touchdown. One of the things that makes me think that this is going to be a blowout is how many turnovers Mason Petrino's had this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he throws a pick for every touchdown. Practically, right? Seven picks, nine touchdowns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I mean, there's, the team knows with sack beating, or sack losing to Weber, their destiny's in front of them. And therefore, they know they've got to beat Idaho. I just, I don't see Idaho making this a game i mean it might be a typical grizz start flat and they're winning in the at the end of the first quarter or into the second a little bit but i just i just don't see it i mean if if northern colorado scored 27 on them eastern scored 27 on them central washington scored 31 portland state scored 24 weber scored 41 i just montana is gonna score 40 plus points like yeah and the interesting thing, too, our weakness is deeper shots and holes in the zone with time. That's not Idaho and Mason Petrino's game. That's a good point. I mean, like, the, the, Petrino averages six yards per pass. Pass. Which six. Is awful. Six. <laughs> that is awful. Okay. And it's like, this is a confidence builder for Calhoun and Nash. Like, if there's ever a game where you could, like, come away from a confidence builder for those two guys. Now, Calhoun, I think, has really settled in. Nash is, like, we've got to be honest, right? Like, he's the guy the teams tend to pick yep. on. Portland picked on him. And uh, this could be this could be a game that you could take away as a good confidence builder because it's going to be lots of quick hitch, quick pass, short screens, quick dump offs, a lot of things like that. Now, what are we susceptible to? Because I do think Idaho put some yards up on us. They could. What are we susceptible to, though? It's Mason rolling out of the pocket and finding a guy 10 yards deep yep. in, in the middle of our zone that's open. Yeah. Because it happens all the time. All the time. Well, and the other thing, and I, I put this in my, my write-up that I put on Egress today, these lat, especially Portland State – Boy, and I think Sean Rainey tweeted this too, like just shocked that Portland did not call a single screen or draw play. The amount of guys we sent, you've got to think that Idaho is going to be setting up a few plays where if you can dump a little pass over six to seven rushers, you're going to have some yardage there too. So, I mean, it'll be, you know, punch and counter punch kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But uh, you would assume that Idaho would probably build a game plan for Petrino to do a lot of bubble screens, jailbreak screens, you know, just little little delay passes, draws, handoffs, things like that. Because that could that could fly in the face of a, an aggressive front that we were developing every week. 
I think their goal is just to destroy Mason Petrino. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and I, it, I could also see them just trying to bend, don't break, tackle the players in front of you. Let's not put any mm-hmm. crazy blitz schemes on film. Yep, vanilla game, vanilla. Mm-hmm. See, um, but on the other side though, like go crazy, right? <laughs> like, like we did this before we went to Davis against Monmouth, right? We did a double pass. We did all sorts of weird, crazy mm-hmm. stuff. I haven't seen I mean, it since. If, <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you want Weber to be thinking, like, holy shit, what do we got to do? Like, you, I don't know if you just go vanilla. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, Mesa Petrino, he's the, yeah. As long as we just don't let him scramble around and do, like, little weird, crazy stuff that he – he did that kind of well last year. He didn't really do it good against the Grizz. He did it well against the Cats. I watched some of that game. And he, he did it well here and there. This year it doesn't seem like he maybe has that and uh, confidence and ability as much. And, and the Grizz defense is better than they were last year. So. Yeah, and, and they'll get after him and put, put some hurt on him. Yeah, and They put some hurt on him last year. Will, will we see Dalton Sneed? So here's what I think. I think we absolutely should start Cam for another week. Um, I do think that if Snead is healthy, I mean, he suited up this week. I think that they should get him in for a series, maybe two in the end of a big, of a blowout, just to kind of get the, take some snaps, shake it off out. Don't let him run. (laughs) Don't let him do anything crazy. But um, that's what I would do. Now, that being said, I think Snead could come off with no playing time and play just fine against Weber. But I just, I say, why risk it? Like, I I think they're playing with house money right now. Yeah. I think Idaho is by far the worst of the three teams that they would have played in this little kind of uh, spell with Snead being gone. So I don't, I don't start him. No, me neither. Unless if he is like a hundred percent, if, if like it is like, you are fully recovered. There is no concern of a setback outside of like a, a, a fresh, brand new injury. Um, I rest him. I, I want I want one hundred percent Dalton Sneed with maybe some cobwebs for Weber versus um, an unknown like hurt again or out again. Uh, Sneed, I I'd go with Cam, especially, and that's the thing. Like you get second half PSU Cam against Idaho, he's gonna destroy them. You get first half Cam against Idaho, they're probably still winning the game, but you know you've got Dalton Sneed, you can snap him in. Yep. And if it's you know if we're down seventeen seven at the half and we're not feeling comfortable with Cam Humphrey, we could trot Dalton out and probably get right back on that horse and get the win. I don't think we're down 17-7 at the half, nope. but yeah. So, okay. Yeah. What would you do, Luke? Man, I think I think you're you're right. I mean, you don't want to risk it. For sure. I yeah. I mean, I'm he tra- was I'm pretty to- taped. Like you looked at his I mean, you could see the tape underneath the I'm trying to talk myself into like a reason why you would play Dalton Sneed, and I just don't think you're going to have to. Give him an extra week to heal up. Like, let him move, stretch, you know, do some functional lifting, and call it good. I mean, like, if if they can go without playing him, that gives a month of 
rest. Rest. Going into the hardest two yep. games of the year. And then the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what we have to avoid against side. What Idaho has done in their wins is they jump out a little early. And then they rely on their big, tough O-line and their big, tough running back. And they just milk the clock. They play bobby ball. And that's what they did at Eastern. They jumped up on some turnovers and a couple of dumb plays by Eastern. Eastern scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. And if they probably would have had one more possession, they probably would have tied or won the game. But um, so this is the thing that, again, Montana historically this season has shown that they are a second-half team. Uh, where Idaho has shown they're kind of a first-half team. So I wouldn't be totally shocked, like Mike said, if we're down in the first, maybe even down into the second or tied at halftime or up by a score or something. But um, – and another thing, and this is a you know little hat tip to the Tubs and the club guys, they said that you can tell within five to ten minutes of a game if Idaho came to play or if they don't care at all. So that was kind of an interesting little takeaway <laughs> that came to me from Brian. Okay. But, uh, but so, I mean, we'll tell early, but I, I'm going to guess they're going to come to play. But I think it's going to be one of these things. They're, they're at a point in this season, and they've shown this, where if the Grizz can get a couple early and get up and just have them feeling demoralized, they're just going to want to get the hell out of there. And yeah. then we can grind it out. Okay. Yeah. Just don't forget what we did to them last year. I mean, I don't see any reason why – why it shouldn't be more of the same this year? Yeah, yeah. I think the Grizz are going to stretch this out. Um, I, you know, we're, I think we're all kind of in agreement here. But on the pick side, uh, Montana, and I think Montana's it's it's going to turn out to be a sizable stretch of a win for them. Would be my guess. Yep, I'm picking the Grizz. Yeah, Grizz all the way, no so doubt. The one big thing we need uh, all the. Chris Fan Pod folks who are going to the stadium to do is cheer loudly because Brent and I are not going to be there. Listen, I'm still going to go get food from your tailgates. Do it. Please do. (laughs) Do it. They are there for a reason. You've managed to get food at most of my tailgates this year while I haven't been at them. It's called management. Um, uh, We have a convention. Last time we had to miss a Grizz game for a convention – we Easter. were in New Orleans, and I was in New Orleans. Where were we? San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. And we uh, watched the Grizz beat Eastern when they surprised everybody with Brady Gustafson. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was so great. destroyed him. It was great. So we're in the bar where Rob O'Neill punched Jesse Ventura <laughs> in the parking <laughs> lot. It's for real. Yeah. Because um. <laughs> why not? Um, so I've, I've left it up to Brent to find the appropriate bar for us to go to. Which we have done. And he has done. I can't remember its name. It's in San Francisco. There is a Grizz bar listed on the like the University of Montana website. Nice. Uh, we'll be there. So for all our Bay Area listeners, come find us at that one Grizz Whatever bar. that bar is. <laughs> and for all of you who are going to be in the stadium, loud as hell, guys. Loud as hell. I hate to miss this, mostly because I want to see the fans taunt Mason Petrina. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do we have any listener questions this week? Okay, I got I got the bar. We have a few. It is called Ricky's. Oh, okay. In San Leandro. 
That's where we will be. We got some questions. Are you going to do Twitter or are you going to do egress? I'll do egress, then you can follow up with Twitter. Does that work? <sighs> That's fine. Yeah, <clears throat> since I had the failed egress post tonight. All right. So <laughs> here's one from CDA Grizz who always tries to put us in interesting situations. Oh, Assume you're not married or in a long term relationship. How many guaranteed Grizz National Championships over the next five years would it take for you to agree to be in a very public, committed, romantic relationship with Waded Cruzado and all of the things that go along with it for the next five years? You could break things off after the fifth year and nobody will ever forget what you did for the team. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She listen. Strikes she, me as a nice lady. She's, she's intelligent. A, she's probably going to be like the next like head of like Stanford or yeah. something, right? Like hell yeah, man. She's yeah. She'll be like a, a <laughs> like she'll be the next uh, secretary of education uh, after <laughs> Betsy DeVos. Like, this she's one. I think she is a very uh, attractive older uh, woman. I think she's brilliant. She and when you hear when she talks sports, she doesn't sound like like a like. Roy Sangstrom talking sports. No. She, she actually like she she gets it. She's charismatic. Like yeah. And the job of a university president seems to be like every day of the year, all day long. She's busy. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have a lot of alone time. You're fine. Not to mention the failure of this question is that you didn't tie it to you have to cheer for the cats because you're uh, in a committed <laughs> relationship with the president of Montana State University. So you're the first dude. Think about how much fun you can have on Twitter as Mr. Waded Cruzado out there as a Grizz fan. It's sort of like a George Conway situation. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I would love it. And then I'm going to get half of whatever she's worth and she makes at least $250,000 a year. Like This is wonderful. Yeah, so you thought you had win. us. Uh, Come on. But you do not. Swing and a miss. <laughs> I love you, Wadet. <laughs> Come to Montana. Okay. Um, on a on a lighter note, they want Luke to explain uh, how we're keeping our beer clo- cold. I think, um, but we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> we do need to come up with a better system. Our system so far is drink it fast. That's exactly what it is. This is kind of cold. This is a post from. Um, BG Big Dog on Egress. <laughs> he said, the third law of thermodynamics is in play here, which concerned both Everett and I, given the alcohol was getting warm. Luke will explain. Perhaps it's for the best that you drink things warm. <laughs> anyway, with that as a backdrop, I'm wondering if Cam is a starter for another week, given it's the spuds and he was outstanding Saturday. And then Anne does Montana beat Weaves in two weeks. So we answered yes to the first one. I mean, I, I think we so. all feel Cam should be the starter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Weber. Weebs is not a game we can talk about yet. I'm. I. I'm not there. I like it in our house. Yep. I'm glad it's here. You. You'll recall I, that I picked us to beat Weber, and when we went through the schedule, first I, pod. I do okay. like that they've given up a bunch of points to some teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's we'll come back next week. Next. Well. Yeah. Grizz Fan Pod Tuesday next week is going to be Grizz Fan Pod Wednesday, thanks to Mike and I's travel schedule. So. Yes. <laughs> um, this is a good one, and this might be one that we can kind of surface answer now and come back to. Um, who is each of your favorite all-time Grizz players to watch? Who is your favorite players to watch on this year's team? Yeah. This is from Beware the D. My 
all-time favorite player to watch was probably Croy Bierman. Um, I I just have like a a defensive mindset. I think like I just love physical dominance, and watching him come off the ball and like bang back tackles, never quit on a play. That was so fun. I I found I can still my biggest memory from his genre is watching him like just staring at him on the defensive line and watching him crush. He was so unstoppable. Yeah. On this team, I actually really like watching Robbie Houck play. No. Because he's so small. <laughs> and you don't know how small he is until you see him. Yep. On, like and it there's makes no sense whatsoever that he can be such a tenacious, hard hitting, fearless player. Because when I see him on campus, I'm just like, I don't know how your shoulders don't break, dude. <laughs> You're little. But I fear him. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I, I really like Robbie. What do you think? You know, um, there's a part of me that wants to sound like super cliche Grizz fan and say Dave Dickinson. Uh, because, I mean, I would. That would be an acceptable but, answer. But, like, but I was like a teenager, and it's kind of funny to go back and think about like, how much at that point you took such a singular talent for granted. And it's, it's, it's amazing to go back when you see clips of him. It's like, I don't remember him being so mobile and so physical. Um, but Dave Dickinson was something else. But for me, really, um, you know, Hansi Humphrey, when he was – uh, backup and came in in garbage time and was just juking guys and cutting and scoring these touchdowns. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, like he was the centerpiece to Joe Glenn's offense that got us our second national championship. Johansi Humphrey was an amazing, amazing guy to watch play. Defensive side, I mean, Jason Krebo was a lot of fun to watch too because he was a wild man. On this year's team, um, <laughs> There's a part of me that says, you know, honestly, like, uh, okay, Moses Mallory, because Mo Mallory is getting personal foul flags from the defense every single game. I just love it because he just looks for guys to lay on. And now you see like people are like punching him and hitting him and (laughs) just losing their lanes and leaving gaps just to hit the guy. And there was a Portland, but there was a great block he had in the Portland game where totally clean. It was like, I can't remember what it was, but he like just took a guy's ankles out and just sent him like did a full cartwheel in the air and sent this guy flat on his, like just on his back, like head and just bam. Mo Mallory is so fun to watch. And it's fun to point it out because a lot of people, excuse me, you don't watch the O-line. And so you're at the game and it's like, hey, watch 77. But don't watch him during the play. Watch him once the play gets beyond. And it's like, <laughs> they're like, oh, my God. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. He really is. Um, <clears throat> Yo was probably going to be mine too just because we hadn't, we hadn't seen no. that. You know, that was no. just not the offense we ran. No. So it was just like him coming in was just like so like 
it, it like opened my eyes that you could run the ball in football. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, that's you overly simplistic. They can but do this. Like, holy cow. Like this is a legitimate. Um, but there have been so many others. Like Joe Douglas was just oh, yeah. like, you know, I mean, yes. catch everything had one of the most magical oh, runs. I mean, terrible ball control. He just hold the ball. Just hold it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, just freaking <laughs> awesome. Long arena football career. Yep. Afterwards. Yep. For the Jets for a hot minute too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he was one. Um, obviously Mark Mariani, I mean, obviously a little bit closer to our time in college, which I think is is a different spectrum too, because we knew him. You know, it's like, and every time he touched the ball, he thought something special was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but there, I mean, there are so many Vince Huntsberger. Just, I mean, there are so many. So that's a tough one. This year's team, um, you know, for me, I think. Stumped mine. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this year's team. Garrett like, Graves, special teams. I mean, but there's just so many neat <laughs> stories, and there's so many. It's like, you know, it's like Gubner getting three picks and <laughs> watching the guys to see, you know, the receivers turn cornerbacks to see how they're doing. Robbie Houck's fun to watch. Dante Olson's just, I mean, he is, it's like he is in the all time echelons at his positions in our program. Absolutely. You know, it's like we are watching history right now. Um, and we could be again with Robbie. Yeah, yeah. On the I tackle mean, for, front, for, on the tackle we got front, ways absolutely. to go, but yeah. You know, but Malik when they when he when he can get in space, I think my answer might be a chem though, just because when he's not inexplicably dropping it when he's pulling it into his pads, which I think <laughs> Pease is probably telling him that. So I'm not criticizing you anymore, and you're probably already getting. He has turned into such a clutch guy, and. Like I was talking about earlier, like when he gets in a foot race with people, I just love watching his feet. Like I just, it just, it's just like he's just so smooth. <laughs> so I mean, I could pick. There are so many to pick. That's a good question. Great question. It's better than the next few that are in front of us looking um, on the egress thread. <laughs> well, here's one. I mean, what can we do as fans to make our voices heard so that the streaming debacle that happened yesterday on Pluto never happens again? Here's the problem, and we've talked about it on here. I don't think Pluto's the problem, although I would like to see us on a better platform. It's the schools. The problem is the product that the school, the host school is putting out. Yes. And one of the things that I think is an easy solution that I don't understand how the Big Sky hasn't fixed is when there's a TV feed, why is the TV feed not the default? Because my understanding is on Grizz Home Games, the TV feed when it's SWX is that's the feed. But for some reason on the road, it's not. So, I mean, there's an easy solution, but what do you need to do? I think that people should be tweeting at and writing the big sky commissioner. He's new and he's listening, but I also think that people should be writing Haslam and Bodner. And the reason I say Bodner is somebody made this point on Egris or somewhere. Maybe it was Twitter yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, the, this is the university's brand, and this is like the single best opportunity to get a guaranteed audience other places that want to freaking watch the University of Montana. And if the conference can't get it right, Bodner and Haslam need to tell the conference, and I'm sure Wadad and MSU would get on board with this as well. Look, if you guys can't get it right, you need to let us take this over and do this ourselves because this is unacceptable for our fan base. Like, look, we just filled Portland State Stadium. That's good for them. That's going to be their highest ticket sales all year. You need us in this conference. Fix this. 
Well, and you look at the side of it, like, I think a lot of us, like, most of the class that we graduated with, a lot of our friends, they don't they don't live in Missoula, right? They and that's how this Grizz fan pod started, actually. Luke and I had too yeah. many buddies on text threads that we just <laughs> and, started recording. And, yep. And, yep. Sa- and same here. And so I'm on a text chain with, with 10 guys, um, and uh, one of, two of us, I guess one other, live in Missoula, and everyone else was relying on Pluto. And they didn't get the game in the second half. Cause, and so you have, you have alumni, and you have impressions on recruits, on people. And it's like every university president, especially like the University of Montana, a lot of times your first introduction to a school is through sports. And it wasn't there. And, and so and it's like we had... We, and it's just like it's a reflection on the school. Like it, you got to fix it. And, and getting to Bodner over that, and it's like, and I don't know. Like last week, I tweeted at Ken Haslam and uh, Eric Tabor and asked them, "Can we opt out if Root picks us for a noon game?" <laughs> the answer was no. <laughs> but like, like my thing is like, can the University of Montana just be like, "All right, big sky, sorry, we're gonna we're gonna stream all our games." Go to gogrizz.com. We're going to have our own production team. It's going to be HD. We're going to send it. We're going to do it. SWX gets preference. <clears throat> Otherwise, you can go to gogrizz. You can get it. Like, because what is the big side conference going to do about it? And, and the, yeah, big, oh, Montana. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> or like especially if the two state schools where Montana, Montana State are 90% of roots broadcasts for mm-hmm. the big sky. It's just like they're not going to. It feels like you come up with a solution, but I think it's got to start from the university presidents beyond the athletic directors. Yeah, I, I echo Mike's uh, method. Letter writing campaign. Go Andy Dufresne on this. Like write two letters <laughs> a week to the Big Sky Commissioner, Waded and Bodner. Um, I don't know the infrastructure as well at MSU, but also carbon copy Kelly Webster. Um Seth's chief of staff. Okay, yep. Oh, yeah. yep. Yeah. And I met her. Kathy Cole, who's the vice president of enrollment and strategic mm-hmm. communications. Both wonderful people. All three of them. Are, all four of them, I mentioned. Wadad, Seth, mm-hmm. Kelly, Kelly, and Kathy. Wonderful people. Receptive. But I think if they started getting regular emails, letters from people, they might put their heads together and, and think about it. Because you're you're absolutely right. This is a brand issue. Love it or hate it. As a university's success in football rises, so does the enrollment. Like, yeah. But I'm sorry, and we've talked about it before here, but it's like at minimum, there's no reason why the conference can't set a bare minimum of expectation for yeah. what the schools have to produce. Yeah. And I'm sorry, if, if a school cannot achieve that, yeah. Because look, I mean, it's like like the the Weber sack game the other night. Great feed. Yeah. You know, and the Eastern NAU feed was great. Great. So it's like if you guys can't achieve that, you don't belong in Division One athletics, and you definitely don't belong with us. Right. And I'm sorry, like that yeah. may be elitist, but too bad. I mean, they got to pick it up. Uh, that question was from Du Bois' mom, so good question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna ask Ursus too here after that? Um, if you could travel back in time and were given the opportunity to save Cliff Heisel from a childhood terminal disease or allow Mussolini to perish from a childhood terminal disease, which would you choose and why? Well, I mean, 
I hate to, you. Mussolini, you let Mussolini right? perish. Yeah, like, why is this yeah. even a question? Like, no offense to Cliff Heisel, but Cliff Heisel was a bobcat football coach. <laughs> Mussolini was a terrible human being. <laughs> what about his next one? Luke is struggling with the answer, guys. If you can see his face, <laughs> right Luke's now. trying to think about a spin here. I'm gonna drink this beer. <laughs> uh, Ursa Major's next question: Choose one AD to lead the Grizz, Jim O'Day or Kent Haslam. Like today, right now, I have minimal complaints about Kent. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this last year. I mean, there there's some peripheral concerns. Lady Grizz. Um, I don't know. I, I, I appreciated Jim O'Day's forward an open demeanor as a, when he would communicate with people about a lot of things. Um, Kent is a little more guarded in some of those things, but I think both guys are good guys. Both guys seem to be doing good things. I mean, you look at this football schedule that we've built next year's football schedule. Like Kent has very expertly built this out where we're not playing a lot of D two schools. We've spaced out our division one, our, our FBS play up games, um, it's tough to pick the two. I mean, obviously, fair or not, Jim O'Day has a little bit of a, you know, dark mark against him, so to say. Uh, completely not fair, but <laughs> completely not fair. So I would say that's a tough call, honestly. I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't feel super heavily I, to one or the other. Like I don't feel like this big. Like if we. I feel like the University of Montana has been lucky to have these two men be yeah. athletic directors yeah. for us back to back. I think Jim was phenomenal as an athletic director. I thought his uh, departure was totally uncalled for. Um, I think Kent has been great. Kent too. was the right man at the right time. Like, there were very few people that could have stepped into the job Kent stepped into There's and actually, done what he's done. Yeah, he yeah. is one of the most down-to-earth, honest yeah. people. In, um, I, I've had the fortune of sitting on some committees that he's been on, and I, I just find him like absolutely like wonderful and professional. I think they're both great. I, I couldn't pick between the two if you forced me to, but and I, want I, I to. think the, old, hard the overriding point is I think we haven't had a turd AD in a long time because both Jim and Kenton have been great. Throw Wayne Hogan in there. It's a different conversation. Different conversation. Different. So Wayne's a distant third. Um, that's what we're saying. I, <laughs> my biggest criticism of Kent has been that I think sometimes the athletic department doesn't understand how the media works and has tried to control the message. I think they've gotten a lot better at that. Yeah. The last several seasons are better than the previous. I, and I have no complaints this year at all. None. So it's like, as far as kind of like growing and changing and stuff like that. And also I think that sometimes I think that Kent Haslam gets criticism because Jim O'Day had a lot of buddies who were pissed that he got fired. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. Um, it's hard to say, it's you know, so it's true. like, it's like, especially it's, it's hard to look at a, an athletic director's tenure where they built the champion center, which only a few programs of this level have, and they built it 
during an era where we were on probation <laughs> and our coaches were Delaney and Stitt. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like you, you, on some level, you got to give some credit yeah. there, right? And they were able to facilitate the building of the Sprunk Academic Center yep. for the athletes. Too. Yep. yep. So, I guess here's my answer to this question. If the job was open right now, neither. But the the reason would be because they've both poured their heart and soul and given what they've got to you UM Athletics, so you would be looking for the next Kent Haslam or Jim O'Day. And just um, be, just be glad we're not USC trying exactly. to plug in some random ass guy that played for the team ten years ago. Like mm-hmm. let's get Matt Liner in here, figure this out or whatever. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. But I mean, as far <laughs> like would I be wanting to like f- f- fire one to get the other? No, I, I absolutely not. So. Yeah. So, open job. Two former Grizz quarterbacks apply for the AD position. Cole Berquist and who else? Give me a name. Cole Berquist and Craig Oaks. Well, shit. Craig Oaks. What? What? Because Craig Oaks is intelligent. He would have a great... And that's not to say that Cole Berquist isn't, but Craig Oaks... You heard it here first. Oh, my God. Cole Berquist isn't intelligent. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. This is nothing nothing against Cole Berquist. But, But Craig Oaks was... A very well now actually I should roll that back a little bit because Cole Berquist is a pretty good marketer. Yeah. That's what I mean. I picked, I, mean, <laughs> I picked an asymmetrical so person like, because <laughs> Berquist is connect. He knows a ton of, a ton people, of people, ton of the yeah. alum. That's an interesting question because like my first thought was there. It's like we've all said like Craig Oaks is one of the smartest guys that I think's really ever come through the program. So it's like yeah. my thought was like this guy could run a department, <laughs> but. Um, you know, and some people say that's not true, so who knows? But uh, Cole, Cole's got the marketing gene down, so I'm certainly not trying to insult Cole. <laughs> Except saying he's not intelligent. Like, I didn't say that! You insulted Tremaine Johnson this year oh and Cole Burquist. God. What about Brady Gustafson or Chad Chad? I'm done with this, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. The Stit 2016 showdown. Oh, McKenna Simmons, Brady Gustafson. Okay. What else? You, what else we got on Egress, Mike? Um, <laughs> whoo, whoo, All like right, so three and zero, oh, two and one, one and two, zero oh and three. What is the probability the Grizz go any of these records the rest of the way, and why? Um, I think two and one's the most probable, followed by three and zero. Oh. I think one and two is a stretch, and I think zero oh and three is almost impossible. Agreed, Sam. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I just think, I mean, having two these two games at home. Winning's hard. Winning's hard. Um, I think that who knows what's going to happen in the cat game, but I can tell you this team's better than last year's team, and judging by how they've handled the other teams they lost to last year, they're motivated. I agree. Um, somebody asked us to explain the um, 62 Grizz, asked us to explain the kerfuffle of offsetting penalties when Jerry McGee returned the Portland State punt about half the length of the field. I really can't explain it, except my understanding is that Bobby there were there were two penalties that happened and, during the play, and Bobby tried to um, decline. decline theirs and then let them and so it's you know to say okay we don't need their penalty we'll take our spot and then you can enforce the penalty, but apparently you have to if they're offsetting you have to take them. Well, and the the tweet I got from uh, uh, Grisman twenty four Clixby was that. Um, it had to be during during the play, not after the play. And so if we decline and they accept, that would be 
15 yards up for Portland and a first down for Portland mm. is my understanding. But, again, SWX didn't explain it super well, and the refs didn't explain it at all. No, the so. refs didn't even attempt to explain it. Because <laughs> so why would you want to do that to the fans? It was so confusing that I thought they just lost the spot. And we're like, we have to do this over. We have no <laughs> idea where the ball's supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah, that was bad. Good question, 62 Grizz. Um, if you could fix one thing between the mess that is the Big Sky Unbalanced schedule or playoff regionalization, which would it be? Fuck. Playoff regionalization all day, every day. Really? I, f- I mean, it, that is – how can you have a playoff that is based on putting teams – In a region. In a region. Instead of their merit. Instead of their merit. Yeah. It yeah, just yeah, – it yeah. makes zero sense. We can overcome this unbalanced schedule. And – we're talking about a difference of just like thousands of dollars of travel costs. Yeah, I mean it's, it's like so minuscule that it's it's such a small thing. But if fixing the unbalanced Big Sky schedule is turning the Big Sky into an eight or nine team conference, hell yes! I, I actually, I actually think we've already fixed this problem. It's just going to take a while to take effect. All right. And the way that the NCAA has fixed our schedule, our, our conference problems, is allowing athletes to get paid. Mm, Good point. Which is a bigger conversation. But yeah, it's going to yeah, be yeah, yeah. pretty soon that these shitty teams with zero fan base, yeah. we're going to not have as big of an incentive to have these shit teams. Hey, Southern conference. Utah, you got to pay all these guys. Um, hello, NAI. They're just, they're just going to get <laughs> yeah. worse and worse. Yeah, I actually think that the answer to some of that is the um, letting the players profit off their own likeness. Yeah, I think it's going to allow them to coast. I'm longer. sorry, that's what I meant. Is yes. like players but, being but able yeah. to profit off their likeness. Yeah. Like it's going to create, it's going to make the have-nots even worse. Yeah. And they're going to get dropped from the conference. Man, think about that cool Grizz Ampod commercials we could have if we could. Can I write the likeness of a. Can I write the Yes. Get the likeness of a handful of players. <laughs> That's, uh, that was a question from Cody Cleave. That's a great question. Um, MT Grizz Rule gave us a bunch. Some of them we're going to have to save. Who are your top five or ten hard-hitting Grizz? There are so many. It's a conversation for another day. Um, Keith Thompson is definitely in there, though. Garrett Graves got to be up there, too, um, right? Dante? Which backup young Grizz? Yeah, th- th- we'll, we'll save the empty Grizz rule for question for another day because that's, and, that's and, an hour topic and, of its own. And he had a whole thread on that, like the best hits you've ever seen mm-hmm. and things like that. That's a great... Episode almost maybe yeah. If the Grizz win two of three, do you think they earn a seed? Yes. Yes, I yes. do. I think two, they'll be somewhere two, between six and eight. Two of three. Two of three. God, I think they got to win out for a seed. I I think if they win two of three, they're gonna have a seed. I feel like because there are six seeds. If they lose to Weaver, eight. though, there are eight seeds. Eight. Weaver's mm-hmm. three. But Craig Haley. So the the committee will Monday night put out their first. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And Craig Haley had his rough go at it, and it's like he had Montana State 10. And the thing that's interesting to me is it's like, and I've been saying this, it's like I don't think there are that many top teams. I think it's North Dakota State and James Madison, tier one above everybody else. Yeah. Then there's this second group that's Weber, Montana, Northern Iowa, and I just – I think the Grizz can sneak into an eight spot, man. Yeah. I, I have a hard time. I mean, it's like because 
Presumably, if it plays out where they win two, lose one, and that one is Weber, Weber wins the conference, they obviously have a seed. So could the Grizz maybe that seven or eight type seed? Maybe. But what will be fascinating tomorrow to see in the – in the in the voting and the polls, how far Sacramento sinks for a home loss to Weber, because that could be really telling. Because we've seen some instances where South Dakota State lost at home to North Dakota State, and I think they went down one spot. Mm-hmm. And so will will they now? Sac has been someone that they, the a lot of voters have not really believed in until suddenly they totally did. So will they now just bail them out and drop them out of the top ten? then that could be maybe bad for the Grizz. We'll just have to see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, That's it for eGrizz questions. Really? Okay. Well, I better open up Twitter, huh? Yeah. Okay. There's on Twitter. So our guy Luke Rounds asking, how do we get the rest of the Big Sky teams to get decent internet connection? (laughs) (laughs) I think we already talked about it. I think think email, mail, Bodner, and the Big Sky Conference Commissioner. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Robert, uh, Strosel asked, do we believe that Samori Toure and Nick Osmo were used as much as they were against Portland as a, an attempt on Bobby's part to troll Portland state? Used a couple of Portland kids. I mean, Toure, no. And I don't think Osmo, no either. I mean, I think it's a happy coincidence and he, he obviously loves it, yeah. but I mean, Torrey is your number two receiver, and Osmos is your change pace back. He didn't really have that many more carries than he had most games this year. So, I don't think so. Yeah, Osmos seemed to have the regular amount of touches, and Knight didn't fumble, so there was no need for Bobby to, like, yank him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Osmo really touched the ball much in the second half. Just Knight had it going and as best as possible, and that was that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's see. Johnny Metropolis uh, pointing out that the Grizz have used Jacob McGoran in three games. So we got one more to retain a red shirt for him. Which game of the next three would we use him for? And he follows up with, are there any surprise freshmen where we might see in the next few games? I use him for Weber. To put that out there. I mean, I think mm. that's the toughest game of the three. And I think that they're going to need every play. <laughs> so if he can come in and he can get in the sack, I think that that makes a difference. Whereas I think the other two, more winnable. Yeah. Do we think that there's any injuries on the team that we don't know about? I mean, I know for Probably. sure there's one, and it just hasn't broken yet. <laughs> but well, Offense, though, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, I'm trying to think of freshmen. Like, I, whatever you two have heard about, I, I haven't heard about this yet. Um, but I'm just, I'm trying to think of, like, freshmen that could come up that we might need. The one that's... Could you see Chris Brown? If, I could see Chris Brown getting some snaps at some point in some I know, game. Oh, maybe. I mean, you know, yeah. just, to, just to get him out there and get him some live snaps. Um, the cornerback from Billings. Cats. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet yeah. you, I bet you, they get him some reps in one or two of these games. The other interesting one would be um, Alex Hurlbert out of uh, Oregon, um, defensive end. I mean, big kid has the size, and so if there was a game where it's like we just need a body to absorb some dudes, 
for two or three series, mm-hmm. which would presumably be the Weber game. Um, I don't know. That that could be a guy where it might be interesting. Uh, I would bet, though, McGoran for the Cats just because I think if there is a passer of the three that you need to disrupt the most for your sake of changing the pace of a game, it's the Cats. And it's not because they're the best, but it's just because you know you can make the most money um, getting after that guy. That'd be my guess. Or you win this Idaho game, maybe you throw McGoran. You got a playoff game, right? Or well, there was but something see, we were talking about where you play in a playoff game, your redshirt's done, right? Yeah, that would be a good question. Is because yeah. somebody said that if they play in a playoff game, it doesn't matter about the four games. I hadn't heard that, but yep, I've heard they're thinking about changing this rule already. Oh, really? Uh, that sucks. This rule is amazing. <clears throat> Just because teams are abusing it, like, they're not abusing like, it. They're like are this. They? But is this really abuse? This is great. I mean, it's like like if you're holding out a kid that should be playing. But that's it's yeah. you're strategizing the rule. You're not using it. You're giving yourself depth in like late games as opposed to like. I'm not it. feeling a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, yeah. Uh, let's see. Eric asks us why to explain why he is bothered by. <laughs> The off-center wildcat on Weaver's pants. I've not paid attention to Weaver's pants. But it's going to piss me off now, so thank you. Yeah. Um, you're it. bothered by that because shit like that shouldn't happen. Their mascot's super cute, though. My daughters <laughs> love that kid, that little cat. Uh, Jamie Robinson, um, just oh. giving her a shout-out. Just She asked us if we rushed Dalton for Idaho. I think we kind of answered that, but mm-hmm. just giving her a shout-out because she's been a great interactive Twitter user. Luke, uh, Luke just saw the logo for the first time. I don't like it. It's fucking yeah. adorable. <clears throat> I think he's talking about the off-centered it's... pants. Oh. Are you going to show us? Yeah. Okay. Should I ask uh, Mike's question? Oh, let's see. Here we go. Oh my God! What? Ah, that's not terrible. It's like they couldn't decide if it should be on the side, but they really can't move it more to the front because it'd be on the crotch, on the left hip. Yeah, hmm. yeah, whatever. Good spot. That's you know, not something I would have ever picked out. They didn't but put, I can see why it bothers you. Quit looking at their crotches. That's what I'm telling them. <laughs> they didn't put on their junk. And they didn't put it in the dead center of their ass. I guess so. Uh, okay, uh, Mike Mo. Asks if we think the Grizz D will be able to continue to get pressure on the QB based on our remaining opponents' offensive styles. And do we trust our defensive backs in man coverage a little bit more with the upcoming run-heavy offenses? Hey, Mike Moe, I was actually wondering if you saw that um, the Grizz offered Barnum's son a scholarship. (laughs) Um, because I think that'd be up your alley, and I was surprised you didn't bring it up. <laughs> so you're a good Twitter follow. I'm just looking out for you. <laughs> um, that being said, what was the question? Pressure on offenses. Pressure, pressure on offenses. So will we be able to deliver this kind of pressure knowing the next three offenses we face are generally run heavy? You, you know, the the running back that scares the hell out of me is, is Davis and yeah. Weaver. I mean, that guy... He's great. He's great. Um, I think that we have to play to the strength of our offense, which is stopping the run and, and pressuring to stop the run. And then 
hoping the defense can pick up the pass. So I think that we are susceptible to some high running rushing yard totals against these teams, but I think we can stop them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think this, our team has gotten better every week, really. And I think they're still going to continue to mature. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I think the amount of like sacks and whatnot might not be as high, but the, on the other side, it, it would be great if those teams were down by multiple scores mm-hmm. in the third, fourth quarter, because yep. then what do they got to do? They got to pass the ball. Yep. And so if you get to that type of situation, you could start tallying it up. So, yeah. Uh, Taylor Kallenberg, I believe also a Packer fan who, oof, we don't Rough day for you guys. Oh, <laughs> Asks, why do the big sky officials, referees, get paid? <laughs> <laughs> I hope they just get complicated a meal in a hotel room, I think that, right? that being a ref is it's a tough. hard job. I know a couple Big Sky officials. You know some Big Sky. I know a Frontier I, official. I remember Two. one of the guys I know worked a game. I think it was the out-of-state game. And in the stadium, I was so convinced that he got the call wrong that I was ready to the next time I talked to him to be like, I can't believe you fucking blew that call. And then watching the replay the next day, he clearly got it right. So, <laughs> Nailed um, it. That being said, I think they get paid because you have to pay people to do shitty jobs. <laughs> and I think there's a shortage of referees everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough job. And why would you like why would you want to go into Washington Grizzly Stadium when there's twenty six thousand fans and you know that if you mess up or even if you make the right call and it's just not popular, people are shouting your name yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That's a tough one. It, it, it's fascinating. I, I know, okay, I knew two Frontier Conference officials, and I know one current uh, high school official, and they love it. They love what they do. Um, one of them asked me once, they're like, you should get into this. Like, you love football. You'd be on the field. You'd love this. And I was like, yeah, but. I only have so much time in my day. I was like, do you, but, like, you're a Frontier ref, like, your Saturday is like sitting in Haver, right? Like, like driving to Haver or whatever. I was like, yeah, but that's what you get. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, that's not my style. But, um, yeah. One of my cousins, um, I call my cousin, he's my cousin's husband, so I guess cousin-in-law, whatever you want to say, is a referee high school, high school sports in Montana, and he is um, starting to do college NAIA. And I'll be very curious to kind of hear his thoughts on that transition. And he always gives me a hard time if I ever post bitching about the refs. That being said, um, every criticism I have of the replay officials, the big sky conference stands. (laughs) You're in a truck. You, You, I mean, your whole job, your whole job is to stop the play. If something needs to be reviewed. So if you can't get a good look, stop the fucking play and look. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Okay, um, we're down to two more questions. Uh, Brian Marceau of Tubbs in the Club asked us real quickly to pretend we are an Idaho fan. Should we hope that Idaho wins, but Petrino's resume is improved with wins over Eastern Idaho State and Montana, or hope that Montana wins, but we deal with yet another disappointing Saturday, if you're an Idaho fan? So this, the premise of this is that if... Idaho doesn't win, they're going to fire Petrino. But 
we talked about this earlier in the year. He's got several years left on his contract. Unless the Idaho fans can pull up Florida State Mm -hmm. and come up with the money to buy him out, I don't see that ending this year. So I would say you might as well hope that he wins. I think Mark Schlereth's going to roll in with a big old check be like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Did you guys see that? Florida State fired Willie Taggart today. Middle of his second year. They fired him today. And the alumni came up with 20 million dollars to allow florida state to fire him it's like so like the 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 boosters must have been bitching and moaning and they were like look we don't have 20 million dollars and they were like give me 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) called a couple of their buddies 20 million dollars to fire willie taggart crazy that's insane yeah are you guys prepared for the last question um, no. Okay. First of all, we need to, we need to dust uh, check here. How good are you on your Star Wars lore? <clears throat> Have you um, watched Solo the movie? No, Mike. No, this is this is definitely a question for you. You you guys have watched Solo. Get the fuck out of here. Wait, Solo. Is Solo, one of the recent ones. Is that the yes. one about rock climbing? <laughs> That's free solo. I feel oh. like I, I've seen one of the recent ones, but not the most recent one. <sighs> okay. <laughs> the look of disappointment on Brent's face right now. Um, so Andrew Schmidt straight up asks us, since L337 is inside the Millennium Falcon, Duh. does this mean that Lando will try to have sex with it in the, in the next upcoming Star Wars movie, Rise of the Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. I apologize. So, backstory. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. No, we're good. Pretend like I don't know what you just said <laughs> and break this just down for the audience. For our listeners. Yeah. The movie's solo. Well, there's a droid. Halloween candy. <laughs> there's a droid that is L337 uh, yeah. with a female voice, and there is some suggestion of sexual tension, and L337 dies, so to say. But her memory and her maps are uploaded into the Millennium Falcon by Lando to like save her memory. Lando, Lando. Now Lando is in. He's an African American fellow. Correct, Billy D. Racist question, Andrew Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so now the previews for Rise of Skywalker has shown that Lando has returned and is flying the Millennium Falcon. So Solo. Very original, suggests some weird relationship. Rise of Skywalker has Lando back. But now Lando does not try to have sex with L3, nor suggests it in both Empire Strikes Back or when he's flying the Millennium Falcon in Return of the Jedi. I say no. So he didn't have sex with the drone. Well, but now he's going to have sex with a aircraft? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. These are the real questions. I feel like God, Star Wars is this weird. question says more about <laughs> Andrew than <laughs> it does about the subplots. So now, but now here's the way you, you can flip it. Like the most recent Star Wars movie suggested Lando and a droid had some weird relationship where the originals did not. So will there be an attempt to bridge that gap? Disney the- ruins everything. <laughs> Man, you seem to know more about this. Then um, Mike and I maybe even combined. What do you? What's your maybe. <laughs> I think probably not, but there might be some low key hint that a bunch of nerds on Twitter, like Andrew, might suggest maybe. Okay, first, 
maybe my only point here, not the first <laughs> one. But like people that like Star Wars love to say, like, oh, we're just nerds. And I'm like, F that. Star Wars is the most popular franchise known to man. Like, it's the most mainstream, non-nerdy thing you can be into. If you want to have a hundred million friends, just watch a bunch of Star Wars movies and get into it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. There you go. You're not wrong. So, um, that's it. I don't know. It's a weird way to end this podcast. Star Wars? uh, Don't you? It's not good anymore, is it? When's it going to end? This one. That was, that's it? Bullshit. Well, you've no. heard that before. No. This, yeah. The the segment that consists of the Skywalker family and legacy ends in December. They're going to bring back this one where Lando is in a relationship with a computer. <laughs> it's going to be called Duo. <laughs> <laughs> then they're going to have a baby. It's going to be called Trio. <laughs> it's going to keep going on and on. It's <laughs> amazing. Gigabyte. Um, you guys want to talk about anything else? I think, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. We are sitting at a solid two hours, 20 minutes. Hey, you know, we tried to keep it low. This is a lot shorter than last week. This is, this is a good window. Yep. This is a good window. God, I want to give a shout out to some of my students who somehow found out that we have a podcast. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. We, um... We saw some download numbers. We're, 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 we should be saying thank you to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it's more than just our moms <laughs> and wives. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> if you enjoy listen or even hate listen, we appreciate you listening. Fair. Um, Stacy was confused about the questions about the Halloween costumes of your wife and the sex dungeon in your kitchen. So for a future pod, guys, anything else? (laughs) That's good. All right. If we know you, we'll see you sooner. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz. Fight on.